on episode 75 of Pixel Gaiden. Cody covers the state of retro. We talk about wanting to relive our hobby. Six good games with three colors or less. It's finally time to talk about our Christmas pickups. What is a Callisto, Eric? Cody's CD32 comes to life. We talk about playing backups on the PS2. The internet goes down mid-show. And the guys have to re-record it all over again. Nelson. Cody Hoffman. We made our way to episode 75, which it's is three, three quarters of the way to 100. Yeah. It feels it's substantial. A prime number. It's not, I don't know if it's a prime number or not. <laughs> it's I'm, not. It's I'm divisible idiot, by but... five. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you can just keep saying incorrect uh, math facts yeah. the rest of the show. I'd, I'd be grateful to hear that. Errata. <laughs> Doug's going to be like, hey, that's not a prime number, dumb. Well, it's funny. I didn't say that word, though. Do you you say that? uh, It's funny you say that because Doug is actually a rhombus. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, A rectangle is a square, but a square is not necessarily a rectangle. No. No. You you uh, like to talk about video games? (laughs) I do. I love to talk about video games, and we should soon. So get us out of trouble here. You want to like do a podcast about it? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Okay, Cool. Um. It is, in theory, January 30th by the time listeners are hearing this. Yeah. And um, 15 days have passed since the last episode, and uh, we've played many games since then, in theory. But I have no idea yet, because that's the future, Eric. That's right. Uh, on this episode of Pixel Guided, Tim Drew will join us. Yes, he he's will. Gonna, um, he, I think he's doing their game show tonight, right? I never... I never got the chance to thank you for the game show you did last time. It was probably my favorite one yet. Really? Yeah, Combo Breaker. Combo Breaker. Combo Breaker. I was talking to Josh about that uh, on like the Patreon uh, thing I'm doing with the Crown Jewels. And he hated it. And I was talking to him, and he said he loved that. He's, uh, he's like, that Combo Breaker game show was awesome. And I was like, really? Because... I really thought everyone hated it. No, it was, <laughs> to be it was my favorite one. I think we were legitimately like trying to win and getting competitive, which is why we were probably not like cracking wise as much. But yeah, it was fun. That was probably my favorite one. Yay! Yeah, well I did done. something. I did something right. <laughs> well, it took seventy-five <laughs> episodes, Eric. Exactly. I'm, I'm starting to get the groove of this. I'm starting to get the hang of it. Uh, but we'll see what Tim comes up with this episode, and. Okay. Um, We've got uh, catching up, as we like to do, of course. Cody's Corner, this episode, that's me, by the way. I get uh, 20 minutes to myself where I get to sit there and talk your ear off about, uh, what did I choose? I talked yeah, about the the state of retro gaming in 2022 and how I feel Ooh, about it. That's um, deeply philosophical. It's, wow. just, yeah, it's just just talking about stuff, you know, just, just getting real yeah. with the people. Getting real. Um, yeah. And then um, we have a whole segment on uh, B- the Baltic... <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. The Balta? Wait, the Balts. The, the Balts. That's the right. Balts. 
No, we're we, not going to talk about the bolts on we, this. We, we taught ourselves something last episode. If you have no idea what we're talking about, uh, go back and listen to the last episode. If you're offended, don't yeah. be. Go back and listen to the last episode. We learned something. Yeah. Um, and then we've got our six good games segment where Tim's going to join us. We're going to talk about six good games that have three colors or less. Three colors or less. Very simple. Be fun. Very simple. Yeah. Um, without further ado, Eric. Let's hop in yeah. and talk about some quick questions. Quick questions. So, Erica, you got the first one here about the first yep. retro title. What was or will be the first retro title that you plan on playing through this year, not including one specifically for the show? So not based on a segment we'll talk about it on the show obviously but what what retro titles are you looking forward to playing through but actually a year? retro title yep you know honestly there's only one that comes to mind and okay so it says not including ones for the show but it's yeah. funny because we don't it's not like we planned ahead what we're going to do for the show that's right so there's one title that i do want to play through and in order to take my to make myself play through it i want to yeah. play it on the show Okay. So I'm going to sneak it into a segment somewhere. Okay. Um, fair enough. And and that is uh, on the, and we talked about it a few months ago, but on the Super Nintendo. Yeah. It starts with an A. I'm totally blanking on the name. Uh, Act Razor. Oh, man. I, yeah. Yeah. I wanna, they, I've been wanting to get to that game. Yep. I've heard very, very good things about that. And there is like some kind of remake or something on the Switch, right? Yep. They came out with yeah. a new remake, like, uh, again, about a couple months ago. So, And, P- and then from what I understood, because I listened to some podcast about it, it's supposed to be like one of those games that came out that was unlike anything else. So it's very unique. And the original is supposed to be very good. So uh, that's great. That's one. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm going to find a way to sneak about. it into either a battle or a something. I want to I want to I want to play that one. That's but, great. How about yourself? Well, mine is uh, the the typical one I started last year because I started Metroid um, Metroid Dread, and I have been enjoying yep. it. We're going to talk more about on catching up, um, but I still need to go back and play the original Metroid, so uh, or Super Metroid. Super, I mean, so I mean, the original Metroid you should probably play at some point in your life if you haven't, but Super yeah. Metroid is the one you got to play. Yeah, and and, I, and I've played it here and there, but I never tried to complete it, and I'm going to make a push to complete it. Um, because I was pretty proud of myself last year, like when I completed uh, Super Mario World 3 and I, I completed Yoshi's Island. Those are ones I wanted to get to forever, and I did it. I didn't realize I was proud you beat, of myself. I guess I didn't realize you beat 3. Yep, I beat 3. Okay. Yep, I certainly did. You and made I Bowser did, fall uh, through the bricks? Yep. <laughs> um, so that... Spoiler alert, um, sorry if I ruined a <laughs> no, I, 35-year-old game, but... yeah. Um, so anyway, I am going to play dread. I don't know if I'll beat it, but I am going to go back and play super Metroid. So cool. So that, I think that's, that's my answer. Um, there was another one I had in mind. Um, yeah, I'll mention this one. Why not? Um, I, I need to play, um, Bridley Rit, which like I played it and I loved it, but then I had to go and do homework for pixel Gaiden, And I kind of had to put that on the back burner. Yep. I want to get into that because I keep hearing people on podcasts talk about it, how deep it is and how fun it is and how the engine is amazing. And I want to get back to it, but I haven't been able to. So that's another one. I yeah. Want to I'm at through. the, and that's not a, well, I mean, your, your question was retro title. That would be a, you know, a modern title for a retro sure. system, but um, 
yeah i've heard the same thing from from a few sources that yeah i've enjoyed what i played but it's pretty simple at this point very story heavy and i want to get to the point where it's more yeah there's more to do a little more tactical i know it takes a little while to get there but it gets better and better and better from what more I, game heavy and where you're mixing potions and stuff i'm not there yet i'm on the story heavy part yep and and you know me i'm not a big fan of cutscenes and like story elements where it stops the play and i'm sitting there watching a movie yeah um and and i and i know it gets it gets beyond that so i need to just push through that and get through it but i i do like the game so far but i've only played maybe a half an hour 45 minutes of it so okay I need to get back in there my question since you have been yeah. collecting retro systems and i'm gonna read that part yeah. again because that's key since you yes. have been collecting retro systems yep is there a, a particular console or computer that you wish you could relive buying and experiencing again for the first time since i've been collecting retro systems okay yeah so i'm not talking about like when you're a kid and you had a commodore you can't pick commodore because you didn't find that when you were collecting retro systems does that make sense yep yep so really for me it's the last i don't know 13 years maybe um last 12 or 13 years since i've started collecting retro systems first one i bought was the sega genesis and then back getting back into the commodore 64 um i am going to say when I first, so the first ZX Spectrum wasn't the 48K one that I got from Tim. The first one I got Correct. was a plus two. And I had that one imported in with my friend, Chris Osborne, who goes by Foztex on Twitter. I'm going to say that because it opened me up to the whole world of ZX Spectrum, which I knew it was a competitor to the Commodore 64 in the UK and Europe. Uh, but I didn't know about the games. I had no idea. I was like, well, from the videos, this looks kind of, worse than the Commodore 64. It looks rudimentary and it's not, doesn't look that great. But when I got it and started playing the games, I was really impressed and fascinated because it's a lot different than the Commodore 64. It Those games are a lot different. They feel completely different. It's funny how, yeah, you know, I'm the graphics and sound. competitors yeah. at the time, but yep. And that was an early game I got into and, and I did feel that a sense of excitement and like, had to find a way to hook it up to video and I was learning all sorts of new stuff like SCART and RGB and stuff like that. So I'd say that I'd probably my, my ZX spectrum one twenty eight K plus two is the one. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I, I had a hard time with this and I'll try to be quick. I came up yeah. with three different answers. So sure. The, the one that was most exciting for me because it was something that I didn't have as a kid thought I'd never attain. Like I never even thought about it. And then it dawned on me at some point while I was collecting that, dude, I can just go like buy one now. That's right. Right? Yeah. Because um, I was collecting shmups and stuff for the Genesis and the Super Nintendo and NES because I had those systems. And then a few years later, after I got married and got a house and whatever, and I was just kind of starting to collect again for the Super Nintendo and things like this. And then it dawned on me, I'm like, I can just like go buy a Turbo Graphics. Like I've never even seen one in person. Like they're a <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can just go buy one yeah. and i did and then i bought my first um everdrive and it was mind-blowing that whole experience everdrive the turbo graphics so cool playing uh, every game on there and the turbo graphics is such like like i think i've mentioned this on twitter many 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 years ago like that was the console that kind of blew my mind because the graphics were so colorful like, and yeah. so crisp, like I will say the composite on the turbo graphics, I know this is getting a little nerdy, but 
the composite, whatever the circuitry is on the composite on that, on the TG 16, amazing, bright, brilliant colors, no interference. Yeah. And the sound I, is I amazing. Do remember that, yeah. And it is a shmup monster. I mean, if you love shmups, which I do, yeah. the shmups on there are, are amazing. Yep. Um, and then I'll, try, I'll go through quick, but I would have to yeah. mention when, uh, when you first introduced me to the Commodore 64, the f- first time we met, and we exchanged yeah. numbers, and you bought the Saturn game off of me, and then I, yep. you were telling me about like Tap Dancer and playing sound files into this device that the Commodore could read and like play a program that didn't make sense to me. And finally, <laughs> yeah. I think it was like a year later, I finally bought one, reached out to you randomly, and you helped me like figure out and... Yeah, like I finally like dawned on me like how how old computers worked and what they did. So yeah. that was like a learning thing, and then the whole world of Commodore and all the games and the homebrew world opened up. So that was a big one. And then last one, real quick, would also be my uh, first Spectrum, the forty eight K from Tim. Yeah, which is really when it opened my eyes. Like there was this whole other world, literally, almost literally, whole other side of the world. Literally, where yeah. things were parallel, similar, but the same but different. Yep, and uh, and with the uh, amazing shipping and eBay and the way life is now, I could literally just have that world sent to me in a box. Exactly, you know? and super cool. And I will say now that remember I was mentioning the plus two, the one twenty eight K Spectrum. I that's in a box over there. I love it. I mean, it's a great little great system. But the forty eight K that Tim sent me, it's sitting on my desk right here, right next to me. And the reason is, is that. It's small, so it fits on the desk, and I can leave it out all the time. But another thing is, it's fun to just think, this is what kids had on their desks and yeah. connected to their TVs back in the day. I mean, not everyone had the Plus 2. That was the more expensive one. This one is the one everybody had. Like, it was in houses everywhere. And it's, that, to me, there's something about that, that that's tangible that, like, I want to relive that. I want to relive like what these kids were playing. Like, like I was playing my Vic 20 and my Commodore 64. That's what everybody had. It was that little, little 48 K's. And there's there's something about the form factor and the way it looks. And it's completely steel, but small. Um, Like the Commodore is cool because it's the big bread bin and everything, but it feels like a big American consumer device. That spectrum is this like otherworldly little thing with, you know, the design sensibility is so different than any other computer. It's, it's cool. Yep. Anyways, now I'm just Good. waxing nostalgic. You can get show information on our podcast at pixelguiden.com. You can also listen to our show on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos Podcast. You can reach us on Twitter using at pixel underscore guiden. You can reach Eric at the project. That's at D-U-H. P-R-O-J-E-C-T. And you can reach Cody at Oddball, which is at O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can also reach me, that's Tim, at Sanxion, and that's at S-A-N-X-I-O-N. Please review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or any of the other podcatchers that you use. It really helps us out. You can email us on podcast at pixelguiden.com. And we'd love any feedback. And also, please let us know if we've done anything wrong, and we'll mention it on the next show. 
We also have a Patreon account set up, so if you wish to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. You can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars. If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows, such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos, um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there, um, everything from for sale to music to uh, high score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we like to announce every supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel Guide N using our random adjective generator. And this month on Pixel Guide N, we're heading down the old piano bar, grabbing a scotch on the rocks, and simply lounging. The extravagant Dustin Newell, far-sighted Matthew Ackerman, the hectic Daniel James, preventable. Eric Sandgren, red-blooded David Vincent, sanitary ten mark, systematic Roy Feldin, and the thinkable Mr. Toast. These are the ones who Pixel Guide and Roll Where we talk about old games And our game shows Impossible Thinkable Maciej Sosnowski The fervid Paradroid The high-pitched Ram OK Ram OK the foreseeable and stiller The inventive Mitsuyama The loving Gary Heather The manipulative Brian Arsenault And the seasick Paul Jacobson These are the ones who Pixel guide and roll with the secure Mark Scott and Jason Holland's irresponsible. Now introducing our newest members, the instantaneous Retro Gamer Nation and Hallowed Amy West. Pixel guide Pixel guide Hey guys, on Cody's Corner this month, I just really wanted to kind of take a look at the uh, the overall state of the retro gaming uh, collecting hobby, at least from my perspective in my world. Um, 
and just how different it is now than when I, if you want to say, first started back when I was in college picking up uh, shmups, which is really how I got into collecting old games. I was getting uh, shoot-em-ups for old systems at that time, like the Super Nintendo, and hearing about these amazing Japanese import games on other systems like the Saturn and the PlayStation 2. Um, so since that, uh, you know, that time passed, it's been 16 years now and, uh, it's a whole different world. And I just want to kind of look at it because I think it's interesting that right now there's so many aspects of this hobby that I would find it very hard to justify to people outside of the hobby looking in, but at the same point, I love it so much because of that at the same time, um, all kinds of goofy stuff going on, things that, uh, cost money that should and things that should cost money that don't and it's all over the place um and i know a lot of listeners out there probably share my views and there's probably a lot well, i know it and you know for a fact there's a couple of you uh that i know of that don't um share my interest in collecting any of this stuff and are more than happy to have an app on a cell phone that emulates things or a couple of a couple websites on the computer they can pull up if they want to try something. That's about the extent of it. But um, things are goofy. So let me just kind of go over some of the things I was thinking about here. Um, obviously, anytime something becomes bigger, very, very popular, everybody gets in on the action. And that's what's gone uh, you know, on here with our retro video game hobby. Um, again, for better and for worse. We have games that are just astronomically priced, you know, retro video games, um, and you know, I mean, it's rare ones. Yes. Sometimes games that aren't that rare, um, uh, that were being blown out for, you know, bargain basement prices, uh, have, were squandered. You know, a lot of things have gone that way where things were not, uh, rare by any means they overproduced them. And now that they've been squandered because they had no value, there are now very little of them left. Um, a good example would be Nintendo Wii's. Everybody had Nintendo Wii's and they had Wii Sports. Well, uh, they were so prolific and that everybody had them. They got beat up. They got tossed in boxes or in a garage or thrown away. And now to find a good condition Wii, uh, a working Wii with good condition remotes that aren't just grubby and sticky and destroyed or destroyed by battery rot, things like that. And even Wii Sports, the most popular game, uh, probably one of the most popular games of all time, but everybody who had a Wii had Wii Sports, and even that game is, is you know, for as common as, as it is, is, is fetching a fairly high dollar. But because uh, these games have gotten so expensive, people are finding more and more, you know, uh, systems or types of games, things to collect that are in their price range because they want to collect retro, and uh, there's a few bastions left of, of retro goodness that don't cost a lot of money, and uh, for various reasons. So a lot of people, you know, when the NES started going nuts, because that was probably the the, the first big rush on, on retro video games, um, you know, some people started looking at, hey, I, I would love to collect a full set. I want to collect something like the NES, but I don't want to pay that kind of money for some of that stuff. I'm going to start collecting Master System stuff. And uh, people can get a full set of Master System games for, for much less than an NES um, the titles on, in general were less, and now th- they're going up like crazy, especially because they came with the nice boxes that a lot of them still have, so you kind of collect them with the boxes. Um, 
uh, some other systems weren't weren't far behind. Um, you know, your the Sega Saturns and your your even the Nintendo sixty four, and which is now just gone absolutely nuts as the uh, the generation after the Super Nintendo grew up, and that was their retro console that they remembered. Um, not that I didn't remember all these as well, but. Um, but there's a few a few left you can still go for and find some good prices on, and you kind of have to go back to the way back machine to really to really get there. Honestly, um, you know, you're, you're in televisions and your Ataris and your um, uh, some kind of fun wacky systems back then. Uh, the Atari, the 7800 and the 5200, which technically was released closer, you know, to the NES lifetime, those can be still had for a pretty penny now, or for a uh, you know for a good price. Um, now there's reasons for that. The, the Atari 5200, for example, finding a, one in working condition with controllers that actually work, that's where you're going to spend your money. But because nobody has those, the games are, you know, relatively, uh, much more available. Therefore they are very inexpensive. So that is actually on my list to get myself a, a 5200. And I know Eric wants one as well. Uh, so I can start picking up the games. They actually have a lot of games from those old systems, you know, new and boxed laying around somewhere for some reason. They're, they're still available. Uh, the boxes are usually in good shape. Uh, and the art on, like, the 5200 games looks, you know, really good. So um, kind of a fun thing to, to think about there. But that kind of brings me to my next point, which is where do you find, uh, you know, good prices on games anymore? Uh, obviously, the Internet's changed everything. Um, and more and more people are comfortable hopping online to check the price of something. Uh, people don't sell things even at garage sales without checking the price first to make sure they're not getting rid of some piece of gold, which, uh, you know, eliminated a lot of these really good deals. Uh, of course you see YouTube videos and stuff where people find things in the wild, but, um, I'm sure some of them are fake, but a lot of them, you know, are few and far between when they find those things. Um, you know, you know, five, ten years ago, I would love to go to even your know, a local Goodwill or, as Eric taught me about Goodwill online, the Goodwill dot com, and uh, you'd be able to find things and get you know deals and, and stuff there. Uh, at this point, I think not only is Goodwill dot com uh, kind of ruined Goodwills in, per- in you know going in person because uh, all the good stuff ends up on goodwill.com but now goodwill.com which was kind of a hidden treasure is uh people are actually paying at this point and probably rightly so uh more they're probably paying overprice for things uh as the, you know the proceeds go to charity not whatnot um but i would say even thrift stores in general in in you know cities or populated areas are a dead zone people know about those things they're pulling them out the um the only success I've really had with thrift stores and honestly just retro video game deals in general is either word of mouth or if you're able to find, you know, small mom and pop thrift stores, for, you know, on little cities in more rural areas um, or <laughs> typically it's you know, an older couple or something that owns a store and um, with, you know, a local cause. And you'll find something once or twice a year at something like that. Uh, I made a nice little Amiga inbox pickup on a couple of games, which is kind of cool. But not a lot out there. Uh, Your Craigslist and your your Facebook marketplaces, things like that. There's so many people on there just, you know, you see more advertisement for people willing to buy stuff 
than you do for people actually selling things. Um, so nothing's ever priced correctly on there. Uh, it's either way too high or if it's at the right price, it's gobbled up in a second. And uh, I'm sure every once in a while people put stuff on there that's a little bit below price. And uh, they probably get six calls in the first hour and it becomes a bidding war. Not a bidding war, but a uh, it becomes kind of snaky. People trying to get there first or uh, find a way to snag it before anyone else does. Um, which actually happened to me with a pinball machine. Now, pinball machines did the exact same thing. Uh, they, I mean, it, at the turn of the, uh, the, I guess the century, right? At the turn of the, in the 2000s, um, pinball machines were, you know, 100, 200, really uh, kind of rare ones, maybe four or 500 bucks. Uh, when I got into the hobby, they were averaging, some, you know, older ones, six, seven hundred bucks up to, you know, two or three grand for the really rare ones. And now, you know, a junk pinball machine is two grand and the high end ones, you know, 10, 15 grand. It's, it's insane. And, and I was able to find a few when I was, uh, when I was really, uh, into pinball and, uh, and I would still be if these were available, I was able to find a few in, in those price ranges where I was able to fix them up. They were not working, but I was able to fix them up, uh, play them for a little while, and then move them on and use that money to buy some more and fix them up. And uh, I had, I think, eight or nine machines at one time at one point, which was really fun. Uh, ended up selling them all, ultimately, uh, to in part to move to this new house. Um, but, the, I mean, pinball machines now, a broken one, for two grand is <laughs> it's very common finding anything even a fixer upper at less than like market price is impossible um i don't feel like whether they're working or not really has much effect on the value right now which is crazy so let's i want to talk a little bit about what else this uh this insurgence of money into the hobby has brought us well it took us from um uh, you know people starting to, to buy the old stuff to people starting to realize that there's nostalgia out there for this stuff and releasing things like the Atari flashback. Um, there's that kind of awful at games, Genesis console, um, kind of a few of these cheesy little things that just sold like crazy in stores. And so they made more and more revisions of them. I really like the Intellivision, uh, did they call it a classic? Yeah, the mini Intellivision, the mini ColecoVision. Um, I have on the wall, same people that make the, uh, the flashback. Um, and and people are buying this stuff up like like crazy, and then they also started coming out with the uh, uh, retron consoles and things like that. Where hey, you for forty dollars you can buy a machine that plays NES games and Super NES games, and then uh, eventually they came out with the three in one, added a Genesis in there. And then uh, with the Retron Five had you know it's like seven different types of games it could play, and um, and I've owned a lot of these different things. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I did have a Retron 5. I had to sell that one. I, I could not gel with that particularly. But um, we've enhanced, you know, our, our our taste as retro gamers, I guess, since then. Because uh, as the original hardware has gone up and up and up, so have our taste for um, ways to emulate either hardware or, uh, or I should say, either emulation or have hardware emulation. Because now we're, you know, we're seeing emulation devices that are hundreds of dollars. We're seeing FPGA devices that are emulating at the hardware level. Uh, you know, and those things are typically two to $400, uh, depending on what we're talking about now. Um, 
with with things that like analog came out with with um with with devices you know even for the retro computers like the uh, the zx spectrum next the um the the amount of things that we are willing to to modernize and accept as retro when you really think about it it's kind of silly uh because you know i i don't like to emulate i don't like to play anything but real hardware right <laughs> right so why is it okay for me to um take an sd card and shove that into my console oh uh, well it's real hardware right because i want to use the real controllers and the real hardware uh then why do i have all these new controllers for my old hardware i've got uh and nintendo 64 the brawler up here the controller geez my nintendo 64 because i don't like the original nintendo 64 controller terribly much and uh looking at getting one of these dreamcast ones and um i have a lot of the original sticks that came for the commerce that you know not that were people made for the commodore 64 uh but i've got numerous devices that i've um have purchased or put together so that i can use a nintendo pad on my commodore or uh um a, a whole new you know a whole new arcade stick i made out of my own buttons and a cigar box for my commodore 64 um and then at that point now we're we're even getting rid of the console itself and buying these new fbga they're just as good as the real hardware and i it, you know pretty soon you realize there's no real hardware left in my quote-unquote real hardware setup that i've been that i've been striving for that i love so much but at the same time i love it <laughs> i absolutely love it um everyone's doing a lot of effort to get all this stuff to run really well on lcds or flat screens or led tvs plasmas i don't know what out, what's out there anymore but um you know, and trying to reduce the lag and trying to get scan lines and color bars and all these things. I prefer to just use the CRTs that I already have. Um, for most of my gaming, the reaction times, you know, the lag, if you will, is non-existent with the CRTs. And uh, I can't play a lot of these games. It doesn't feel right. It really does add a whole different feel when you play it direct. If you haven't played on original CRT in a while, uh, if you're comfortable playing on a modern screen then don't play on a CRT because you'll be spoiled. You'll realize what you're missing. And a lot of the games just don't feel right. That's my opinion. I'm not being a snob about it. You can enjoy it however you want. But that's how I feel about it. But it's funny because now even the CRTs, these these CRTs you'd be able to find, you know, free on the on the corner or being thrown into trash or you go to a, a thrift store and there'd be so many they were they were turning them away or dumping them in the back because they couldn't put any more on the shelves. And now a little junky 13-inch CRT is going for like 60, 70 bucks. Uh, nonetheless, a big old, you know, Trinitron, Sony Trinitron, where I don't even know how much those go for anymore. But um, stuff's getting kind of crazy. But we have access to almost everything we want. I'm sitting next to my Vectrex right now, which, you know, those those games aren't just the games. They come with the overlays and, and boxes and things. Well, there's reproductions you can buy for almost all that stuff. And I love that. I love that I can have the original experience. Um, you know, even if it has a little word in the corner that says reproduction, I don't care. I, I don't personally care about that. I'm not I'm not investing in this stuff out for money. I'm, I'm investing it for my own pleasure. So, uh, really cool stuff. Really cool hobby. Um, does get expensive. We're at the point now where where there's really not a cheap way to do it outside of just emulating on your computer, which you can do. Um, so if you want to get beyond that, you're, you're looking at 
at money now if you didn't get in early. So I do feel bad for some of the people starting now. Uh, I think there are a few systems that would probably be worth uh, checking out if you wanted to start collecting for them. I'm thinking about trying to get some of this stuff now because, um, you know, once it starts going up in price, you start going, man, I wish I had that. Man, I wish I had that. So I need to try to find a way to get passionate about something that right now is cheap because for whatever reason, it just doesn't, when it when the, when the they're so available and inexpensive, it doesn't hit you as something you want. And uh, maybe that's just me being a capitalist consumer. Um, but, you know, uh, Xbox games... Uh, the Wii's the Wii's already started to go up. The the good Wii games, there's so many bad ones, so much shovelware in that library, but the good ones are already starting to get pricey. Uh, PlayStation 2 has a ton, well, they literally have a ton of games. Um, and <laughs> I, well, I should say literally, if each game does a pound, there's over 2,000 games, so if you had one of each game, it'd literally be a ton. But um, I'm looking at my PS2 collection, which is quite large. It's probably the largest collection I have. Uh Many of the games are unique. Uh, they are of the era. They are in that beautiful spot between quick pick up and play and like the current grand epic, you know, uh, gameplay. Um, really good art. Really work. Good presentation on the cover and everything you can put on your shelf. Uh, PS2 is a good a good one to look at. And um, I'm always on the lookout for for systems that have games that uh, are worth collecting because. You can get them. They are affordable, and I don't feel bad dropping a ton of money on one title to put it on the shelf. Um, so anyways, if you guys have any ideas, please let me know. I think I've rambled on it enough now. Hopefully this was... Uh, you guys shared some of the viewpoints that I talked about here today. Um, and if not, I have let you into my mind a little bit so you can see what's bouncing around in there. Hope you guys have an awesome rest of the month, and I'll catch you next time. All right, we're back here live in the studio, and an employee from SpaceX just joined us. <laughs> Hi, guys. How you doing? Swell. Yay. It's me. I mean, it's that, Tim. I mean, that is a, a SpaceX hat, right? It's not just like a, a, a knockoff UK Nike or something. No, this is a genuine, <laughs> genuine. <laughs> SpaceX hat all the way from uh, Florida. Oh, Florida. <laughs> flew right as we say um yes yeah gary brought it back for me and it was um a christmas present from my wife oh That's cool, really cool. nice yeah so it's gary a nice hat too it. it is it's very cool very happy with it nice and it matches your get up you're all hip you're with it yeah as I the am. kids say <laughs> i'm down with the kids i'm with the cool kids you're at street level all right so we <laughs> street level tim well street I'm street. <laughs> so the, the listeners know, uh, Tim, after last episode, that uh, Eric and I consider ourselves the, um, the absolute uh, final word in retro gaming knowledge. Premier knowledge. Premier, yeah, we are the two finite sources for that. So uh, your, whatever your game show is coming up should be a breeze Yeah, uh, for us. 100%. He has, a, he has a look uh, on his face well, like he didn't... How, 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 how did this come about then? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, this is new to me. This is news. This yeah. is news. Actually, your face was your face was so deadpan, I thought you were scared that you like, you're like, wait, I didn't make a game show. <laughs> I thought his video froze. 
Um, all, you guys are 30% at best. <laughs> we're going to have to dig into that shortly, but not until we dig into a beer. Oh, um, yes. Beer, beer, beer. And know beer what's, time. Know what's interesting about this particular beer, Eric? What's that? It was brought to us by RetroRewind.ca. What? Our show sponsor. No way. Which, uh, whether he meant to or not, partially funds our beer habit. So we want to go ahead and send you guys on over to RetroRewind.ca, where you can find all kinds of goodies for your Commodore computers of all types, and also now your Cocoa computers, your Tandy TRS-80, Cocoa 1, 2, or 3. A um, few things we haven't mentioned on here in quite a while, and uh, they're simple, and they're amazing, and everybody should have them if they don't, uh, but the Tandy Coco SD uh, device, which puts uh, games on your Coco computers, um, you plug a little SD card in, you can play all your games, or and, and, on, and applications. Are you, are, you saying, are you saying there is an SD solution for the Coco? That's what people who know what they're talking about would call it. I yeah, made it much more blowing my mind. Much more Tell difficult. More. <laughs> um, and uh, all kinds of goodies for your Commodore computers as well, your Amigas, your uh, your diagnostic carts. Uh, they they have a version of the Kung Fu Flash for sale there as well. Um, and uh, they if you if you're missing a cable, how many of us yeah. have a Commodore computer and we have. Um, a 1541 driver, something like that, but we're, we're missing the cable. You can get it there. You can get it over there at RetroRewind.ca. Uh, we'd also encourage Woo-hoo. you. <laughs> we encourage you to go there. Uh, add a, a, a backslash or forward slash pixel guide in at the end of that. And if yep. you want to save 10 percent on checkout, use code PG10 to save 10 percent off. That's PG as in pixel guide in 10 to send to save 10 percent off. Um, Tell them Cody and Eric and Tim sent you. That's right. And if you don't want to <laughs> save 10%, you can just don't type in anything and just buy something from them, but you won't save 10%. So it's really an easy choice. Save I, I 10%. Think so. Yeah. Put just, in PG10 and save 10%. Just like it's an easy choice for me to go ahead and crack open this delicious, fresh, cold beer, which I've never tried. This one, Eric. Really? You've never tried this one? No, I've never tried this one. So this is... A Firestone Mind Haze, which I have tried. Okay. Um, it's probably my, one of my, you know, go-to, if you want to call it, uh, grocery hazies. Mm-hmm. It's like a hazy you can still get for not too much more than a buck a can. Okay. Um, and but it but it's a special version of it. I got a pack, and the the thing about the the variety packs you buy is yeah. they usually have one good beer and they shove like three garbage beers they can't get rid of in there and they're like cool a pack a variety pack correct that's the way they all work the variety packs yeah they're like there's like one or two good beers and the rest are garbage so in this case it's the same with game bundles back in the day as well wasn't it you'd get <laughs> a right. really good game and then a load of trash in the other <laughs> yep <laughs> that's exactly it so in this case though you didn't they didn't even provide the original mind haze they only gave us three versions of mind haze which are all not the original yeah. um and I'm going to be honest with you, they sound atrocious, which is why I bought it for the show, so we could try it yeah. uh, live on tape, live on yeah. Zencaster here. So, this is a Mind Haze Tiki Smash IPA tiki smash. with yep. tropical hops and coconut. Yes, they put coconut in my beer, and we're going to drink this. Tropical hops with coconut, and it's by Firestone, which is pretty local to us. I mean, a couple hour drive, right? Yep. Three, four, yep. something like that. Um, 6.2% alcohol by volume. 
Make, so, makes the right noise when you open the can, I'll tell you that. Sounds good. Yeah. Brewed, combination there. Brewed with coconut. So this is going to be tricky because I'm not a fan of coconut. I do oh, not like shoot. coconut. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're going to give this a try, though. All right. So here we go. Cheers. Cheers. <sighs> and Tim as well, even though you've got your coffee. He's got his coconut flavored coffee. <laughs> now what I'll tell you right now. Smelling it smells like a beer. It doesn't smell like coconut, so that's a good sign. So let me begin. It tastes fruity, which not bad. I don't mind fruity. It tastes a little sweet with a little fruitness to it. I don't taste a lot of coconut. Really? That's great. This is good news. It's good news. Okay. Everyone rejoiced. So my my wife did have one of these randomly. So I just got back from three days off uh, in Seattle for work. Yeah. And uh, in the meantime, my wife, we ran out of beer she liked, so she tried one of these, and she texted me and basically said, what on earth did you buy? It ta- she, so the way she described it is it, it tastes like suntan lotion. It, it, wow. I could see that. I could see that. Now, to be fair, anything with coconut, to my, coconut in it to my wife tastes like suntan lotion, so yeah. I, I'm actually not getting that. I'm, I, I taste the coconut, though. I don't taste ton of coconut. I taste just kind of almost like a fruit citrus flavor huh okay but well i'm ready i'm ready to rate it so out of uh let's see uh it's a nice you know it's a hawaiian tropical and i guess not hawaiian but um i'd say hawaiian yeah although it is on it is odd i'm looking at it it says tropical hops with coconut but the picture has like peaches they're standing on peaches and oranges. Yeah. I understand how so that... Why are you famous for peaches? I, I, no, they're not. What? And it's not <laughs> even Hawaii. It out, it's Tim. tiki. It's like these... So that, you see these little chicks on there? With the... Standing on the fruits? Yeah, and it's... Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, their heads are orange slices. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with this one. This is very confusing. This is too deep. I let's can't. Get, let's, let's, peach stones. They did call it a mind haze. My mind is hazing over. Yeah, yeah. We need out, to get out, to of, games. out of how many kidney stones? Um. So that beach has a lot of sand. So out of uh, ten million five, ten million and five grains of sand. Ten million you, and five. Yeah, that's something. What are you ten million gonna, and five. What are you going to give this one? Oof. I'm going to give this. Um, Eric let out a woof. That's where I know this is going. <laughs> woof. Yeah. It wasn't a howling gourd's woof, but it was still it was a woof. <laughs> I'm going to give this 525,000 grains of sand. So it's still over 50%. Yep. This is uh, the third worst beer we've had on the show. You think so? Howling gourd's is by far the worst. That was the worst. Tim and provided that- a, with, with us with one that was... Second worst. Second worst. Second worst. Definitely the second worst. This this by the time I get to the end of this, this could take second. I don't know yet, but it's not good. Really, it's not. Can't be that bad. Can't be. That it's bad not good. <laughs> I, I, I I I mean I don't think it's that bad. I think it's in the top. It's definitely in the top seven of the bad beers. <laughs> the bottom seven, top seven. <laughs> the bottom seven, exactly. I'll say the bottom uh, seven. It, I, I don't think it's the worst because first of all, it's an IPA. I don't like IPAs. We've had worse IPAs, like too hoppy. This isn't as hoppy. It's more sweet. It, the flavor isn't great. I don't love it, but it's not. So, yeah, 525. I'm sticking with my 525,000 grains of sand. Two out of three Pixel Guide and reviewers agree. 
It doesn't taste great. No, it's not. It doesn't taste great. I'm going to give you that. I don't know if I can even give it half. I'm going to give it 4 million grams of sand. 400,000? Oh, wait. 4 million? I don't know. I'm giving yeah, it. Eric's score was super low because uh, yeah. I thought the rating was like 10 million it was and 10, five. 10 million and it was five. 10 million and five. So I gave it 525,000. So oh, that's wow. Like, you gave it like dirt? That's yeah. Yeah, it's that's really bad. <laughs> yeah, when oh, you said okay. 50%, I was like, wait, am I that drunk? <laughs> no, I am. <laughs> No, okay, so four million. So yeah, I'm giving it like a forty percentile. It's not good. Okay, let's just move okay. on from this and try we'll just to move stomach on from it. this this train. Wreck. The next the next beer I've had, Eric, you provided it. It's a good one. We'll we'll get to that as quick as possible. How about that? Good, good. And whenever you want to, because I'm ready whenever you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> what you don't want to finish this beer, Eric? No, I will finish it. I'm a trooper. I'm going to finish this. Okay, well let's hurry up and finish this thing. Okay. All right. Let's see if I can screen share without their, my Grass Valley internet shutting down again. That would be a plus. So at this time, I'd like to go ahead and point out that um, I think about 12 days have passed since the what we were just saying there. Eric and Tim are no longer on the call. Uh, the internet absolutely did crash for the entire night. Uh, ruined another about two hours of recording we did. And uh, so, unfortunately, we're going to lose the game show. And, um, you know, coming back to real time here, it's now uh, January 28th. And uh, the boys are about to join me here in just a few minutes um, to re-record our show. So I apologize, everybody. I think the game show is going to be dismissed, unfortunately. Tim put a good one together for us. But let's uh, fast forward into time and uh, go ahead and catch up with the boys. Tina, there, and Cody, and Tim, and Tim, Tim, you're here now. I am. I'm here. Hello, everyone. On this uh, beautiful January 29th morning for you, yes? Indeed, yes. This is the second <laughs> time we said hi to you in, in the last 13 minutes, if you're a listener right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not beautiful here at the moment. We've got high winds and rain, and it's just ugh, horrible. Gotcha, gotcha. So, uh, uh, listeners, as you just heard, uh, it has been, I don't know, 10, 12 days since we recorded the the first portion of this show. We're just going to have to carry on right into catching up because, Tim, your game show was awesome. It was, we were laughing. We were having a good time. It would have made for great radio and we lost it all. So, it, it happens. (laughs) It did happen, (laughs) but it's the game show that never happened. I feel like every time we have a technical problem, which has literally only been twice, it's been your your game show that we lost, Tim. <laughs> yeah, because I was telling I was telling Cody, I was like, isn't this the second of Tim's game shows we've lost in in the three years we've been doing this? <laughs> and I think it is. I think it is. Oh well. Oh well. Well, let's jump right into some catching up here. Um, we get to go over Christmas stuff. That's right. Uh, we're almost a month into the new year, and we're going to talk about what we just got for Christmas, guys. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I I think I uh, I think I said this the last time we recorded this, um, mm-hmm. but I had a as far as being a selfish consumer whore, I got I had a pretty awesome Christmas as far as getting gifts. Uh, of course, had a great time over Christmas with family and all that stuff. But we're here to talk about material goods, so I finally got a. Uh, Zelda Game and Watch, which was exciting. 
Um, been wanting one of those. In fact, I it's the first time I've ever done this, but I pulled an old Eric trick where I bought myself a Game & Watch and gave it to my wife. I said, wrap it. That's your Christmas gift to me. Nice. It's <laughs> the best way to do it. Yeah. And I'm legit excited about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I got the old um, Super Mario, not old, but Super Mario Game & Watch up on my wall now, finally in the new uh, gaming den here. So it, it's telling me the time. And the... The Zelda Game & Watch I'm legitimately excited about because I've never played uh, more than a few minutes of Zelda 2, and I've never played... Um, what's the... Uh, what was the Game Boy one that's on there? Oh, what's yeah, it called? Uh, yeah, what is that? Ever you great remember thing. that the second time of asking, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited. I'm generally excited. I've heard great things about that game. It looks more akin to the um, Super Nintendo Zelda game. Um, I'm trying to look it up now. Zelda game. I'll just put game and watch. It'll tell me exactly which one's on here. You'd think, right? Um, anyways, it's a game I've been, I've been wanting to play. And now that I have a little cool game and watch and a game I haven't actually played through, um, you know, that you actually play through the game and save and continue on later. It's going to be a fun way to get through it. Oh, come on here. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to find the actual name of that game. There's a point where mine has batteries here and booted up. Right. There's a point where everybody on the podcast just screaming. They're like, "Oh, it's yeah." Josh is like, "Come on, it's this. It's X Y Z." I like how we portray Josh as just this guy who's constantly yelling at us and angry at us, but still (laughs) listens and gives to the show. So, The Legend of Zelda, Zelda Two: The Adventures of Link, The Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening. There it is. That's the one. Awakening. That's the one. I've already actually Hold the game. The menu. Yeah, it looks good. The, the game I played on there more than anything so far has been Vermin, the actual original Game and Watch Vermin. Yeah, which is just like you know, left or right, you just move its hands around and catch balls, or whatever it is. Um, I also got a uh, simple but cool. Uh, I've had I've had a Street Fighter arcade one up for quite a while, and uh, you know, have a Raspberry Pi and everything in it, but. Um, you know, I have a little chair I have to pull up to sit in it, and it doesn't feel right. So I finally said, whatever, I'm buying the official arcade one-up stand that raises it a foot so I can play while standing up. Um, so I bought that to give to my wife to give to me for Christmas. Got to open that on Christmas Day. Excellent. Um, and then the one I was surprised to get is somebody went on my, you know, Amazon wish list, which even though I've got like a thousand things on there, it's always a surprise what you're going to get. And I got um, a physical copy of CrossCode, a really cool action RPG for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I've been wanting a little cool little indie title. And uh, I've gotten basically through about an hour of the game, which is still kind of tutorial mode. And I think it's going to end up being really cool. Um, but, you know, any modern game nowadays, you got to do a couple hours of tutorial before you get into the game, right? So... And we're gonna we'll, we'll we'll be talking more about that next month because I saw that you bought it and I went and got it on sale. They were, they were, they were having a sale in the in the store. Yeah. I bought the digital version, but I, I I'm the same way. But although I'm about four hours in it, and okay. it's still kind of tutorial. <laughs> oh shoot! Okay, well, kind of it's kind of, but it's uh it's it's been great. So I want to talk about it next month. And then the last thing I will talk about for Christmas is I got my daughter. She really wanted a Switch, even though I already have a Switch. She wanted her own Switch. Um, that was her big her big gift. So I got her that and uh, got the... So the Switches were impossible to find this year. Like, people were buying the OLEDs, you know, were being 
hawked for more by scalpers and everything. Um, but even the standard switch lights, which is what I really wanted to get her because it had the you know handles built in. It was they weren't going to fall and break. Uh, it seemed more sturdy, a little cheaper, uh, smaller hands kind of a thing. But all the switches were gone until all of a sudden, about mid-December, I think Nintendo found a huge stash of um, Animal Crossing like yeah uh, switches, right? <laughs> so it has like the, the pastel colors and the dock that has the animal crossing and everything it looks uh it's a really cool little looking setup and for for it was perfect because i was actually like man i wish they still made the animal crossing one because that's what she wanted to play on there she was really excited about that game and i'm like she would love that and sure enough that's what showed up and uh got one in fact i got the last one our best buy had and worked out really well got someone else in the family got her animal crossing so i need to get um uh I need Danica's uh, handle or your handle, whoever it is, so that Claire and her can share islands or whatever it is. Swap fruit. Yeah. Yeah. That that would be cool. Yeah. um, Danica got the, um, the new DLC. So the new Island content. um, And that allows her to go out and build up. um, uh, You, you go to a separate Island altogether and you actually do work. um, So you, um, uh, what is it? You've got uh, 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 different residents, new residents turn up on this one island. And then the idea is that you um, uh, find a new holiday home for them. And then you sort of like decorate the home in the way that they want it. And they uh, extremely happy and that you get <laughs> di- there's a, a, a new different currency as well. I can't remember what it's called. So um, you earn different money on this new island. You can't take it back to the other island, but you can exchange it for bells, of which is not. the original it's your, currency. So, it's your holiday house. Yeah, so so much stuff to do on the new one. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my uh, the gaming portion of my Christmas. Um, Tim, I want I want to hear about yours, but while you're doing that, uh, I got my first beverage. I think we're going to crack open our beverages so we can keep moving on here. Um, okay. So it looks like, are you grabbing something as well? I, I do apologize to everyone if I still sound a bit gruff and a bit hoarse. I'm still, yeah, still yeah. recovering at the moment. So. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, okay. You so don't sound Christmas like a horse gift. at all, Tim. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Was that a sheep? I don't know. <laughs> so, so right before you do that, I just need to point out, we, we usually drink our beers together. Uh, Eric and of course Tim's got his coffee. It's the morning over there. Um, yep. After finding out that we pretty much lost the entire show, uh, all of you know forty five minutes before we started recording here again, I felt like a triple a triple bourbon was going to be the way to go for me right now. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. I'm having a uh, a uh, it's a, well the brand is 1792, but if you go to it's really good, really good um, Kentucky straight bourbon. But if you go to Costco, they sell it with the name Kirkland Signature on the top, even though it still says 1792 on it, and it's only like 30 bucks a bottle, and it's amazing. So cheers. <laughs> cheers. Cheers. And I am drinking uh, one, of my, one of my wife's favorite beers. It is called Moose Drool. Oh, yeah. It's a good one. <laughs> From Big Sky Brewing Company. Big Sky it's Montana. it's got a moose on it. It's and, a brand uh, ale. It's yeah, a Commodore it's from 64 Montana. ale. Exactly. <laughs> So it's not an exciting beer. It's one I have often. So, but there it is. So, cheers, everybody! Cheers, cheers guys. 
Um, yeah, so for me, Christmas, um, I got a few, obviously, a few nice bits and pieces. Uh, one of the main gifts that I got was the Evercade Versus, the Founders Edition. So jealous. Um, yeah. Which uh, you should all uh, know by now. I did my um, tea time with Tim on that. <clears throat> earlier in the month uh so i've explained all about that one um so yeah i got the got the evercade versus that was a really nice gift let's be honest uh, though how much time have you spent playing it versus putting different cartridges in just to find all the easter eggs that sounds like a lot <laughs> well, of fun <laughs> well actually I've, I've i played a fair bit on this because i did a stream using it so uh on twitch so i uh, played uh messed around on a few games yeah. one of those was food fight um, oh yeah <laughs> failed, failed miserably as usual play, playing games on streams but hey it was a bit of fun and had a few good people join in so yeah that, that was that was good um just trying to think if there's anything else major that I got. I don't think so. Well, right um, on our notes, it says uh, Evercade versus and more. So what was the and yeah, more, Tim? I, 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 got, um, I got Bill Hurd's book. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is it Back Into the Storm? I think it was. Um, and um, uh, yeah, a couple. Oh, and I got uh, the, the hat that I'm actually wearing. I got a SpaceX hat as well. So I was which, pretty, which looks like an upside down Nike that. hat, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> now, now the Bill Hurd book. What was that about again? For people who don't know, like myself, <laughs> um, that's that's uh, all about his journey into Commodore and through Commodore. Um, so, um, Bill Hurd is a guy that was behind the the TED project. Um, that's so right, the, the TED, TED chip. chip. So, like the C one one six, the C two six four, and uh which obviously eventually turned into the plus four and the c16 and the commodore 128 uh it was a um, designer of as well so all, all yeah. monster gaming machines indeed, indeed. <laughs> so, so great great success though <laughs> uh eric what 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 have, you, what have you been working on recently well, speaking of this, actually, it is related to Christmas gifts because I got most of the parts, the internal parts for this for Christmas. And it was the same deal. I asked for them specifically for my wife. And I didn't have to buy them, though. She actually went out and bought them, but I just sent her the links to them. But so I finished my Callisto 2 project, that which is, thing is gorgeous. 3D printed terminal. Terminal. Uh, <laughs> I can't even speak. You can't say it wrong, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it is a 3D printed. Uh, tr it's supposed to look like an old fashioned terminal. Um, it was printed by a friend uh, on the Amigos Discord, uh, David Z. Um, so came in several parts, but it is pretty cool. The parts, they don't glue together anything. They have the system of pegs and holes. So literally, this, this just taps together. Uh, and it's very easy to take apart too. Um, it has a mechanical keyboard in it. Yeah, I wanted to, it, it is. Go ahead. I was going to say I want to describe this a little bit for those who don't know because you know up until a, a year or two ago, if you told me it looked like a terminal, I would have no idea what that would even meant. You know, I'm like what, like yeah. a, like wing B of Southwest? What do you mean a terminal? Um, yeah. But it basically, if you imagine like um, like old late seventies computers but i guess they weren't actually full computers right terminals but anyways it's uh this big old one piece um machine with these really kind of like cool sexy curves with a monitor built in with a keyboard it's like an all-in-one looking computer in this in this case right. it is an all-in-one computer now um and it's got uh you were t just talking about it but it's got the really cool old looking keyboard with the different colored keys the blue and the red and the white yeah 
And it's a mechanical keyboard. I did change the keycaps to make it look more vintage. So these keycaps are designed to kind of look more of the good old fashioned, like IBM fonts and stuff like that. Um, and with kind of those subdued colors. Um, but yeah, so it runs Raspberry Pi 4 inside. And so bringing it back into retro gaming, one of the cool things that I've been running on this is Pico 8 because it just runs on yeah, perfect. the operating system for Raspberry Pi. So I can play Pico 8 games on here. I can connect to BBSs. I can run pretty much uh, stuff like that. But it's a project I wanted to do and finally got it all done right this Christmas. So all the, went together, all the ports together are accessible well. and stuff for plugging in. Yeah, a controller so if you and... look in the back, yeah. If you, I mean, if you there's USB ports right here. Oh, yeah, perfect. And then a power, just a little power lead. And, and it, it, it's pretty elegant. So like the, that is just a USB hub that actually fits into the back so that, and then there's a USB cable inside that goes to the Raspberry Pi. So it, it's an extension actually. And it, it works super well. Yeah, it looks really cool. Cause I, I was expecting to see the actual Raspberry Pi just, you know, flush against the back. But those, you know, like you said, that's a, those are four ports across. That's a lot more easy to. Yeah. Yeah, and it's got this little like little hatch in the back that actually works. Like you just pop it open and you can get to all the internals. So I could swap the SD card out, put a different operating system in there. There's fans in there. There's all sorts of stuff that you can just access by reaching into the little back panel. It's like the it's a hatchback. It's like the flap uh in an old pair of pajamas where yeah, exactly. when you have to go to the bathroom, you just undo a button and the flap pops open. It's so handy. That's where you go. <laughs> Um, Callisto 2 with adjustable flap. That was uh, the, yeah, the advanced model that uh, Eric paid extra for. <laughs> um, this is a simple one, but important to me since I got my ridiculously cool Amiga CD32, which, by the, by the way, is still sitting here behind me plugged in. I haven't moved it since it's been plugged in. Um, nice. I, it took me a while, but I finally uh, ordered and got my power supply to use said CD32. Um, so yeah, I found one here on, I mean, it was on eBay somewhere. Pardon me here. I was trying to find a way to avoid all the uh, lead times and shipping from overseas. Anyways, it literally looks like, or I'm sure it literally is, um, a computer power supply. I was going to try to grab it here, but it's too much stuff with a big, like somebody just printed a sticker or not even sticker, a piece of paper on their computer, cut it out and like used, um, like adhesive spray on the power supply and stuck it to it. Yeah, not the most it a CD32 because they've actually printed something off and said <laughs> it's, it's for the CD32. Well, they did. They did. I'm sure have to open the case and uh, and con- connect the correct leads and everything to this kind of uh, proprietary adapter here. Um, I mean, it's not, I guess it's not proprietary, but it's kind of it's got the big four pin adapter kind of thing. Anyways. Yeah, it was specific enough that I wasn't going to try to make one because for five dollars more, this one's already pre-made and I don't have to try to figure it out. So, uh, got my CD32 up and running at that point. Completely, uh, I said, "Cool, it runs, it works." And then I realized, "Oh shoot, that's right, I need to plug a mouse into this thing." Yeah, um, <laughs> not realizing that. You, well, you guys helped me uh, get. You know, you, you hooked it all up for me, Tim, and then Eric added the little. Uh, adapter to to connect a, what I thought was a PS2 mouse to a USB mouse, and I plugged the USB mouse in, and mine was a laser one, so it didn't work. And then I was freaking out. I'm like, great, I, it turns on and works, but I can't start anything. I looked around for for hours trying to find a oh yeah an S video out cable because I only literally own one of those. So I looked <laughs> around for like two hours through all these drawers and stuff until I finally just pulled one out of my Genesis drawer. 
Um, I could talk for a long time about what it took for me to, my own fault, trying to figure out how to get this thing running. And then you guys said, oh, yeah, that, that adapter is for the keyboard, not the mouse. The mouse, you plug a normal Amiga mouse normal into Amiga the, mouse in the, side, yeah. the nine port. Yeah. <laughs> so then I did that, and I was able to play some games. Awesome. Still have not found a keyboard that I can work with it, though. So um, at this point, if I want to press F10 to back out of the uh, game to go to the menu, I don't have that option. I have to shut it off and back on. Can't do anything that involves um, typing anything, uh, anything with a second button or keyboard for a bomb or anything like that. So I'm still putting things together and figuring it out. And by the time I get it all figured out, that's when I'm probably sending it to uh, Frank at RetroRewind.ca to get it, <laughs> get <laughs> everything else for play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But. So it really, it just needs that. I, I don't know whether he just needs to tune the laser a bit more. I'm not entirely sure or just replace the mechanism, but it does load original stuff. No problem. Uh, not that you've, I don't think you've got any of those. So um, it'll load normal CDs fine. It's just the, the burnt stuff. So if you want to use the Amiga J stuff, um, that's that's the bit of a yep, bummer. But yep. Because you've got the terrible fire there and you've got the CF card, you're pretty much sorted with WHD loader anyways. Um yeah, I, I, I mean, I will admit that since I added that uh, CF card with the w, all the WHD load games, and my my card specifically has all of the the CD32 versions of the games, not just the Amiga WHD load versions. Mm-hmm. Ever since I put that in, I don't think I've put a single CD in mine since I got that. Yeah. I mean, there's no point in it. They're all there, and they load much faster off the CF card. So. Yeah. There's just no point once you get that. So you, you, you're you're very close. I mean, all you got to yeah. do is really get that keyboard up and running, and you're going to be set. I mean, even if you didn't send it to Retro Rewind, you could still do everything you want to do on it. As long as I have my uh, $4 S-video cable and don't lose that, I'm good to go. Um, <laughs> the, the other thing I do need to figure out, too, is you, you told me about the adapter to the PS2, and currently they're just out of stock everywhere. I can't find them. I think I found one, but it was like $80 somewhere. Um, but somebody else on, I think Amiga Bay or Ami Bay or whatever is mm-hmm. selling a kit and this would be perfect. You know, those black, uh, super NES, uh, con- like aftermarket controllers, the Inex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I know you had some, yeah. uh, Eric and I have, I had a couple yeah. that came in like, you couldn't buy them separately. You could got two for like eight bucks. I remember. Yeah. So they made uh, a kit specifically for those where, um, you get the board and then you can buy, the components and then the chips and hit that you know he's selling them pre-programmed if you want i would still have to solder everything together i think it's like 25 euros or something for the for everything and then once i just put everything together you pop it into one of those inx controllers and it now you have a mega cd32 controller that's cool i'm like that would love to have a like a dedicated one like that rather than have a playstation controller it just doesn't feel right and the fact that the uh inx controller is already kind of black like the, the cd32 it just kind of feels more appropriate somehow yeah sure so anyways good stuff that is good stuff speaking of good stuff what do you got tim here um yeah so we've well we've all been or had been or have been um partaking in a little bit of rogue 64 by badger punch software yes um we uh were lucky enough for ricky who developed the game he sent us a pre-release um was it a uh, CRT file um, so we could uh, have a go on the game beforehand uh, before it got officially released um, so I know um, myself and Eric were, were playing that a fair bit 
Um, I haven't been playing it so much recently for some, for obvious reasons, but also, um, because we've, I've ordered everyone a physical copy of it. <laughs> Yay! Man, <laughs> so, Tim's so generous. So we're just waiting for that um, to turn up. And then yeah. once that turns up, I'll get that over to you guys. Um, and then that's that's the point where I'm going to pick it up and play it again when I've actually got the physical copy. So I've, I, I've I played several games. On that. <laughs> yeah, I played several games of it. it. It is brilliant. It is a great rogue game. Now, if you don't like rogue, then you're not going to like this game. But well, if you no, like no, rogue, I, I would I would disagree with that because really? I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of the rogue style games. That's right. I'm, you were saying that. I really, really enjoy this game. So it may actually open the door for me to actually play some more roguelikes and all that sort of thing. So, yeah. It's, it's I really, like it. It's, really it's a blast. Yeah. yeah. And the, I think what really won it for me is the control mechanism. They've made the, you know, getting into the infantry and selecting mm-hmm. things and, um, you know, like the all the different potions that, that do different things. So you've got like, was it some of them reveal all, all the enemies on the screen? Some of them blow up all the enemies on, on the screen. You've got obviously something that restores all your hit points. Um, yep. But yeah, I've, I've just been really enjoying that one. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a great solid game. So I would recommend people go out and uh, grab that. Um, because you can now also get it um, as a as a full download, um, so you can go onto the uh, Badger Punch software itch.io site um, and grab a copy of Rogue sixty four. I think it's around about six seven pounds something like it's that. It's appropriately so it's priced. Expensive. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I I haven't actually played it yet, and uh, I'll try to be quick about this. But basically, I still my uh, Kung Fu Flash. I still have um, Bradley Witch flashed on there. And that game's not leaving my Kung Fu Flash till I finish it. Now, I don't know if I can play the CRT, CRT file over the top of that without losing saves and stuff. I don't know how that works, I'm, so I didn't well, want to try it. What you to do is plug in your SD to IEC. Okay. Um, and then save the game out onto onto the SD to IEC because you've got two options. You can either save it back onto the cartridge or you can save it out onto disk. Um, save what so game? Your, your game save. Oh, a game yeah, save specifically. Rich. Okay, yeah. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, because yeah. I did yes. try to flash this to. I have a an original um, uh, that Eric gave me. Uh, what do you call it? Easy flash. The easy flash. Yeah. And yeah, this this game won't won't flash to it. I think it's too small or of a cart or something. I don't know, but it won't flash to that one. Um, okay. So I have not tried it yet. But but once you told me that I got a copy coming, and I looked at that sexy artwork on the front, which just make that makes that look. <laughs> That game looks so cool. It looks uh, Lovecraftian, a little Cthulhu-esque, which uh, does it for me. Um, And then the only roguelikes I've ever played, like actual rogue um, likes, (laughs) uh, were the ones on the Pico 8 that you introduced me to, Eric, and I loved them. So I know know I'm going to love this. um, And I'm going to wait until I can just shove the cartridge in the back of my Commodore and play it. So. Yeah, what Stoked. the one was called Leash King or something, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, Temple of Leash, Leash King or or something like that. Something like that. Oh man, that was so good. I got to go back to that one. It's a good one. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so the other thing I've been doing recently, or <laughs> semi recently, <laughs> was uh, I got back into some Twitch streaming. Yeah, uh, you did. So I did, uh, did the Atari ST. Um, yeah i was gonna do uh shuffle puck cafe which oh. is a really cool game i love that game <laughs> i and I, and, I think uh, i've told you that that was like one of my games on the mat growing up like i grew up on that game yeah yeah um 
well, just just before Christmas, uh, my friend Gary he came over, and uh, we got the ST set up. And uh, I just picked up one of my random boxes of software, and the original of Shuffle Puck Cafe was in there. Um, and he he was he like you, you know, he played that so much um, when when he was younger on the ST when it was obviously all new, and uh, he he picked that out of the box. And it wouldn't load up to start off with, so I had to clean the heads a few times on the disc, um, and we eventually got it loaded. Um, and then I thought, well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to play that on stream, and uh, nice. lo and behold, it just would not load. Oh shoot. oh shoot! So we abandoned that, and I, eventually I went over to Oids um, on the ST, which is a fantastic sort of like um, uh, uh, it's a cross between sort of like Gravatar and Thrust. Um, if you've ever played either of those two games. I have, yeah. Um, yeah. So I was playing that one. And then I, like I just mentioned earlier, I did one on the Evercade Versus. Um, got that, uh, sorted. That was a good stream as well. And, uh, I was preparing for another one recently. Um, and I was going to try and do the X68000, but for the that life be of cool. me, I can't get the video to stabilize on that. On when when I'm actually uh, capturing the video, it just keeps on. It goes for about I don't know fifteen twenty seconds or something like that. Then um, disappears. The screen disappears and then comes back again. It's really frustrating. That so. computer is the tinkerer's dream. It always gives you yeah. something to something to tweak and finagle. <laughs> yeah, I want to tweak it out the window. <laughs> I'm gonna I want to what do you call it? Sun whiten that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Luckily, it's a dark color already, so it doesn't need retro brighten that thing. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've been doing some Twitch streaming. Um, yeah, cool. but some, sometimes when I get, um, uh, Twitch stream, I get that fear of dread. How about you? Mm. <laughs> oh, segue. Yeah. So I got Metroid Dread for Christmas. Uh, it's over here. Is it? Yeah, it's over here. I won't believe you Metroid unless you dread. show us the physical copy. I see a physical it. copy of Metroid Dread. I got it from my wife, and um, and I I played it a lot. Um, and I, I the, the funny thing about this game is that it it has such great elements. Like the graphics are amazing. It took me a good hour of playing it to kind of get used to the buttons because there's so many buttons do different things, and you know it's a Metroid game. So I mean, there's a lot of different things that it a lot of different controls that you and different weapons. And so, and they all map to different buttons and it, it took me a long time just, and that's just me being a crappy gamer, but and, I, and I got that, used to them. Finally, that surprises me because I would assume that the controls are going to be similar to the uh, super Metroid. Yeah, they, they are, they are to a degree, but there are more things to do. So, okay. um, th- there are more buttons and, and things to memorize, but I did get past that. I got to past that. And once it, once you lock that in, it, it is brilliant. I mean, it, 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 it's a, it's a great mechanic and they, they thought they, they did think that out quite a bit. So that was great. The graphics are amazing. So the, all that stuff is good. The bad stuff is that, but... and, and again, I'm not going to blame the game for this necessarily. Cause I know this is kind of one of the core things about Metroid, even though it maps for you, the whole map, the whole map is a puzzle in itself because there are parts of the, of the map that you go through 
and they're almost like one-way trapdoors. You go into an area yep. and you can't get back to the other areas until you find all the things or do whatever you need to do in that area. And so I was constantly getting lost, constantly <laughs> couldn't find my way back to areas I had already been to. I couldn't get back to them for some way. And listen, all that's fun. <laughs> you know, that's all fun in games. But <laughs> it's so fun. It, it does get eventually very frustrating when you can't figure it out. And then you've got to go I, on YouTube and try to figure this stuff out. It, it, when you're, when you're doing that literally for an hour, like trying to find a way back to the map and, and you can't figure out the way to go. It, it it's the, you throw in the controller against the wall kind of deal. So <laughs> I, I, I have to admit I've taken a break from this to go to on to other things because it was, very, it was getting me very, very frustrated. Now I did beat two bosses and they were a blast. They did go on and on, and they were very long, long battles with the bosses. I wouldn't say necessarily super hard, but, get, but long. Get good, bro. Just get good. Yeah, that's what I got to do. I got to get good. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'll come back to it. It's a, it's a great game, but I, it's just got very, very frustrating parts. I just, I have so. a feeling that it's actually more of a standard Metroid where if people. Um, you know, not to try to pat myself on the back, but if you've kind of grown up with the series and played a, a bunch of them, yeah, that it'll kind of come naturally. And those puzzles that seem impossible, like I've seen how they've been done in the past, mm-hmm. and they're probably going to be done in a similar way now. Yeah, but if you hadn't done it before, it's all new, and you're like, "How do I get out of here?" And you don't know. Think of like, "Oh, well, in the previous games, I could duck into a ball and." bomb the floor until something opened up or i could just yeah. push on the walls and see where i just randomly am allowed to go through a wall like if you don't know right. that stuff could happen then you're probably just like what am i doing yeah and you know this this does follow the pattern where you start with nothing and then you're going and you collecting weapons and stuff right well i haven't even found the thing and i think the problem the reason i'm getting hung up in the area i am i haven't even gotten the power to like morph into the ball yet so, like, there are w- places all over the map I can't get into yet because I, I can't shrink down and go. And, and so that's what so, makes Metroid so good is because you see all these places and you always think to yourself, yeah. that's too high for me to get to. Mental note. Oh, that's a tunnel for if I can, can get into a ball. Mental note. And yep. then once you get one of those things, you're like, oh, man, I have, like, seven places I need to go back to now. And you get yep. all excited. And that, that, and that is here, except now it traps you in areas of the map <laughs> and you can't get out. So And you get very frustrated. <laughs> It's a bit like for me when I play a Zelda game, you get um, certain certain places in into the game, um, and then you realise, oh, I can't do that because I can't move this rock because I need the power glove or something like that. And then you you go sort of like another hour or so into the game, and then oh, now I've got the glove. Now I've got to go back there. And (laughs) I love the glove. Now imagine that, Tim, but you can never get the glove. (laughs) <laughs> and that's my frustration with the Metroid Dread. Well, that's that's how I normally end up on Zelda games. Can I see Zelda? <laughs> just just so the viewers or the listeners know, on, on the uh, notes page, Eric titled this section Metroid Dread. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I grabbed a few things that I was just wanted to point out here. The first one uh, is something I've been talking about and Eric's been talking about for a while on the show, and I finally went out and just grabbed it for like 15 bucks because I was out with my family and saw it at Walmart or whatever. And that is Far Cry 5. Got it for the PlayStation 4 and absolutely loved the fourth one. And when I saw the theme of the fifth one being kind of um, uh, Midwest uh, Americana, you know, hills and hillbillies, 
and hunting. Cult action, yeah. And then the uh, cult kind of takes over that area, and I just instantly said, I need to play that game. And then, of course, when I said that to myself, it was a full-price $60 game, which Cody, Cody no likey, full-price $60 game. So now it's 15 bucks. got it physical, nice. and uh, I'm sure I'll be talking about it on the next show because love me some Far Cry. And then the other thing I did, which was fun, uh, went, went thrift storing. And specifically, was looking for some uh, some decent old school, you know, wooden speakers, some old vintage speakers for the game room. Um, and I found uh, a small pair, which I picked up. Um, uh, Advent speakers, some pretty you know decent brand Advent speakers, nice wooden little tiny bookshelf speakers, which I want to use for um, actually to to extend my record player into the kitchen so that when we're listening to the record player in the other house um the we can actually hear it in the kitchen rather just being the bass from the other room Uh, but then i found these nice tower polk audio speakers with like four woofers and like two tweeters and this nice uh, like cherry oak now they're a little beat up but for like 20 bucks i got these gigantic tower speakers and they sound beautiful Wow. Uh, super excited about those, um, and those are now connected to my um, my uh, kind of flat screen setup over here, where I put my HDMI devices, like uh, the PlayStation Four and the docked Switch. So they're, <clears throat> How do you they're get cool. The speakers connected through to that, or them? Have you got a separate amp for that? Yeah, yeah. Actually, so yeah, it's funny you say it. So I actually have a. Um, I bought it a while back and fixed it up. My goal was to just resell it, but I decided to keep it. It was an old uh, 1976, I think, Pioneer. I think it's an SX650 um, integrated amplifier. So anyways, it's got, you know, the cool uh, glowing dials and the big silver face and all the, you know, that thing. So I basically have uh, an HDMI switch where the audio gets broken out. That feeds the Pioneer, and then the Pioneer feeds the speakers. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. Very cool. Speaking so, of having fun, yeah, Tim, what's going with, on? With our friends, uh, which a friend in Spanish is amigo, but if, <laughs> if, if Tim was female, it would be amiga, we got there. Yeah, we got there. Um, yeah, I've been um, playing about with my uh, an Amiga uh, 3000 that I got from Josh. Gosh, that's uh, cool. At 48K RAM. And... Uh, one of the things that I use with my X68000 uh, to actually get it to do anything um, is the RAR SCSI device, which is like a little uh, uh, daughter board that you put onto a Raspberry Pi. Um, and then it has a SCSI connector, has like the um, the ultra SCSI connector, the quite the compact one on it. Um, and then I take that out to like a, the big 50-pin Centronics connector, which goes onto the back of the X68000. Um, well, I managed to pick up a lead that will convert that to 25-way, which will plug into the back of the Amiga 3000. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> Adapters. I love yeah, adapters. Ad- adapters all over the place. And uh, I got that working. So the RAS SCSI I've got now working on the Amiga. Um, but that's now turned into a- another project, which is that my Amiga 3000 original power supply that I use a step down converter on, uh, yeah. cause obviously it's 240 to 110. Um, 
I the the power supply for some weird reason it's starting to make a bit of a weird smell uh, when you turn it on. So like I'm bacon, not really is it delicious? To use the, yeah, I'm not really <laughs> wanting to use that one an awful lot at the moment. Um, <clears throat> so then I did an order with Amiga kit, and I got um, a few bits and pieces, and one of those is a, an ATX power adapter. Um, so I'm just trying to find the right power supply, and I've just realised that it the power supplies that it's using like the old ATX PC power supplies. Yeah. Um, but it needs a minus five voltage rail, um, which a lot of PC power supplies don't have these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just managed to source one of those and it's on its way to me. So, um, hopefully by the time we're recording the next episode, um, in a few days, <laughs> um, we, we might, I might actually have that up and working. Do they not um, make a, a meanwhile power supply that's big enough to do that? uh possibly um but it's it, uh, the i'll show you the adapter cable yeah the reason i just say that is because like when i did my amstrad power supply uh the mean whale one i got had uh and it was pretty sizable it had 12 volts 5 volts and negative 5 volts yeah, yeah. so this is the this is the one here so that's the mm-hmm. atx yeah. end then that's the amiga 3000 end so the atx is the standard 20 pin ATX oh i gotcha connector. And yeah. then this is the proprietary end for the Amiga 3000, which is uh, about twenty, uh, about 16-pin, I think. Yeah, I, I like gotcha. That. And then the most important bit is the physical switch, because yeah. on the Amiga 3000, the switch is actually on the power supply. I don't know if you've seen it before, um, but um, it's just got, like, this big plastic rail that comes out to the bu- power button on the front. <laughs> just a oh, wow. big old long... Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the ...power button on the power supply. So you've got to have that power switch, so... So you mentioned you, you were using a step-down, so you kept the original NTSC one in there that's, that's the 110 volt? Yeah, that's right, yeah. And yeah. so, like, in the UK, you use, what is it, 220 or 240? Is it 220? Yeah. Yeah. 240. Yeah. So my question to you is why are, was everyone in the UK so selfish and using so much power? <laughs> I mean, you well, know, there's we, a global shortage of power here. We, we always had that theory of insecurity, didn't we? There, but, <laughs> you know what? Inferior <laughs> we, complex. We have as much to make things bigger and better. Um, but the Americans won that. I'm actually going to nerd out end. on you. I'm going to nerd out on you for a second here because I sell electrical products for a living. And if I don't say something, I'll be doing a disservice. So technically, when you go to 240 volts, you're actually reducing amperage. Well, the amperage always stays, or the uh, the current always stays the same. So yeah, you're reducing amperage. Shoot, am I saying that right now? I'm already three drinks in. <laughs> but technically, technically, you're using less power when you're using 240 volts. So just saying, just saying. Yeah, yeah. it's more dangerous, I don't but it. it's less power. Fake news. Higher wattage, lower lower amp rate. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So less current, less amperage. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we've got like three uh, fun little hard drive things in a row here, don't we, Eric? Yes, we do. I I can be quick with this one, but so our games that we played the last because we had the in our battle we battled two shmups both on the PS2, and I had R type on my old hard drive. So I have a hard drive installed in my fat PS2. I'm not trying to shame it. That's just what I was going to say. Why do you got to, why do you got to put labels on things? You know, why do I got to shame my PS2? But I have a fat PS2 that I can, inst- uh, that I have a hard drive in it. PHAT. But the old, yeah, the old adapters are for IDE drives, for old, old IDE hard drives. 
R-Type was on there, so I was set for that. But I didn't have Gradius on there. So I decided to just go down that rabbit hole, and I ordered a whole <laughs> new adapter that handles uh, the, 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 more, the newer SATA-style drives because they're easier to find. Or SATA, so, as we say over here. SATA? SATA. SATA. Isn't a a satyr, a satyr, isn't that the goat men from like mythological times? Aren't they satyrs? No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm looking that up here. You continue on, Eric. (laughs) Carry on. (laughs) So anyway, this is just a generic one I got on eBay. It wasn't very much money, but it it supports the SATA hard drives. I grabbed a hard drive out of my garage, out of some old machine, formatted it, and and got, there's this thing called WinHip or I think something yeah. like that, Win Hip, H I I P. And you organize your games. You down look at that. There's the little the little <laughs> There's your Seder. Your Cody pull up the little picture of the little imp with it playing his little uh his pan flute. <laughs> his pan flute, yeah. He looks Sorry. devilish. Um so anyway, I I wanted to always do this because I will admit the first hard drive I bought for my PS2, I had a guy take care of it. Like I sent him a big fat list of like 40 games. He popped them on a hard drive and sent me the hard drive with the adapter and everything. So I wanted to kind of do it myself. So I got this, put Gradius on there, put like five or six other games on here so far. And it works like a charm. And I, you use free McBoot to boot off of this and it, it, it's brilliant. Yep. It works easy. I'm, I plan on filling this drive up. One of my ultimate goal is to just have a bunch of hard drives with a giant collection of PS2 games that I can just swap in and out of the back of the PS2. Which I'll need because the PS2 has like 2,500 oh. games or something. Like, so, you know. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, anyway, that's that's the rabbit hole I went down. I'm going to have to copy so. the, copy you on that one. I'll add that to my uh, Cody wants to be like Eric list. I still have yes. to do the Ouya. I still have to do a, a number of other things, but... Yeah. Well, this one is is a, a fun project because it's not that hard and it's was relatively cheap. So, I, I'll jump in on that one because I I kind of piggybacked up on that, and that's the problems that I ended up having <laughs> with PlayStation Two. Yeah. Uh, again, another thing that nearly launched out the window. Um, <laughs> the I have the older style um playstation 2 adapter the original one uh which has yeah. got obviously the network on it and the um ide style ID, connector. Yep. and uh i had a few different ide drives and i got one configured and then the i the drive stopped working um i was playing about with the networking so streaming it off of a uh, windows share um i got that working at one stage but it was really really slow yeah me too um, it's garbage uh, yeah i i just got so frustrated with it in the end and then i yep. finally got it all up and working um and then i started playing some of the games and then i thought oh god I, I want to try and have a look at some of the cheats on some of these games to see if I can make it a little <laughs> bit easier for myself. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. And uh, I started messing around with that. And in the end, what actually happened is I overwrote my boot, <laughs> like the L-spot boot or whatever it is on the oh, free boot no. card. I bricked my free boot card, and that was no. like, that was it. That was that was game over. <laughs> oh man! Um, so I have actually got another free boot um, card now. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, the USB stick, which has got all the cheats on and all that sort of stuff. I just haven't got around to setting that one up yet. Yeah, um, so so I will fully admit, like the very, very first free McBoot card I, ha- I got years ago, I, I made myself. I got that little hack, di- the little disc that had the vulnerability yeah. on it. And I did all, I went through all that rigmarole and it was a big pain in the butt, but I got it working. And it was an old version now because this was years ago. Honestly, I go on eBay and I spend about 15 bucks and people are selling them left and right with all the newest version, all the tools on them, all the programs you're ever going to want, 15 bucks, which, I mean, that's the cost of a memory card. Yeah. So I just go go get it on, on eBay and I'm well, good my, to go. My free McBoot came from, from you, Eric, when you're probably yep. doing it the old fashioned way. That so it was, yeah. I appreciate yeah. it. I have it. I still have no idea how to use it. And after hearing both of you talk about it, I kind of don't want to. <laughs> it sounds really difficult and frustrating. It's really not. I love it. Like, you just use OPL, Open PlayStation Loader or whatever it is, and boom, seize the hard drive. All these games show up on the list. Pick the game, play it. Yeah. I mean, I eventually got it working if I hadn't messed around with it and over yeah. my free boot or if you would have just got good I been okay but i will say this for me i don't know why like the networking i mean it's a fun ex like a little exercise to do like hey look i could get my ps2 on a network yay it, it sucks it, it's slow fmv doesn't work <laughs> Well, it, it, in, it, in fairness, when I actually did get it working, it was okay. No, it wasn't. Yeah. It, it was. It was no. fine. But I had, <laughs> okay. well, I had to link. I had to link the PlayStation Two and my uh, my um, laptop up together, so it wouldn't go through a switch. I yeah, think the latency comes in when you're doing packet inspection and stuff like that in t- in the switch um, into the network. Switch. Oh, you sound so like a bunch of IT guys. It together, it's it yeah. sounds seems to be okay. Yeah, I, I just decided that point. hard drive fast. Use yeah, hard no, drive. It, it, That's what abs- I did. You're absolutely right. Hard drive yeah. is the best way to go. You know, yeah. I I know about networking and all that sort of stuff, so I was able to get it working and setting up Windows shares and all that sort of thing. But for most people, that would be a complete pain in the backside. So, yeah, hard drives are the way to go. Yep. Speaking of games, yeah, <laughs> on our game podcast. So Cody told me about um, that switch, like like the voice of cards game. Um, what's the full name on that? I, we, I didn't oh, put it in the shoot. notes. Yeah, um, I'll pull it up. Voice yeah, of voice... Hear the Lion Roar or something like that. Yeah, I play Hear the Lion Roar. Um, so it, it's something like that. Yeah, um, I, I played the demo version of it because you played the demo version of it. I beat the, de- I mean, I finished, not beat. I finished the demo the version. Isle the Dragon, Isle Dragon Roars. Roars. You're close. Yeah, I am. Um, I loved it. I thought that game was really unique, um, really fun. I mean, it, 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 it basically for, for people out there, it's like, um, every single thing in the game is a card. So like the land, when you explore an area, like these cards flip over and it, everything is, is about a playing card other than the little pieces that you move around the board. Yeah. It's almost like, a, um, playing a, a, a solo, um, like board game RPG kind of thing by yourself, but you don't have to obviously lay out all the stuff. Somebody else is doing it for you. Yeah, but it, it has that yeah. visual aesthetic to it. it. Looks really cool. Yeah, but it is a full RPG where you can up your stats and find new weapons and stuff like that. And so you, you like, I wanted, and it's by Square Enix, by the way. So I mean, it's by a big reputable company that that makes great games. Um, I 
I like I said, I played through the demo. I wanted it, but it they were they wanted a lot of money for the full version, and I was pulling the Cody. Like I was like, oh, I'm not paying. It'll go on for this. sale. So you know, I, I I did add it to my wish list, but I didn't get notified. And then yeah, it's normally thirty bucks. And uh, you you told me it was on sale. I don't remember what I paid for it I now. Think it went down it to seventeen ninety nine. I think you're right. It was seventeen ninety nine. So I said, okay, I'm going to buy it, and I bought it. And it's on my uh, it's on my Switch now. I have not had time to play it yet because I've been doing all the Pixel Guide homework. But I'm eager to get to it and play it. it it's a really cool, it neat is cool. visual game. So and and um, the narrator, it's got a good narrator that kind of explains almost like he's reading a book to you as you're playing. Yep, it's like reading exactly. to you what's happening, what you're doing. Yep, it's very very good narration. Um, so I did get that. Um, and I, and I'm sure I'll be talking about it in upcoming episodes. Uh, some other ones I got, I'm only going to talk about briefly. Cause honestly, I haven't played a lot of these in depth yet. I got dungeon munchies, which is, uh, <laughs> it is I want to know about that. What is dungeon munchies? Dungeon, dungeon munchies. munchies, man. <laughs> so do you remember Cody, when you told me about that fishing game that's coming up and I'm really looking forward to that. Like it's some oh, kind yeah, of yeah, little fishing, RPG. Um, like RPG. Yeah. 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 Yeah, RPG fishing game. This one is a 2D style platform, but it is an RPG, but it's about cooking. And I always like cooking elements in games. And this one, you are find you find ingredients and you cook them up and they give you buffs and bonuses and stuff like that. So that's why it's called Dungeon Munchies. But you, it is a 2D platformer. So you are just going through the game trying to play. And I had a blast. Um playing it again i had to abandon it to go finish my pixel guide homework but um i will come back to it it is a blast and has a very cool um a very cool art style to it um somewhat retro because it is like a 2d platformer almost like a castlevania kind of graphics a little bit castlevania um you know, like uh, the oh, Symphony of the Night kind of style with the pixel graphics and stuff, but you can tell exactly. some of the tricks that they're using in there are more modern. So, yep, the visual effects are yeah. more modern. It's a fun game, so it is. It is a cool one. So if you find it on sale, you might want to pick it up because it's called Dungeon Munchies. Uh, the, I'm not sure about the name. Everything else about it, though, <laughs> it's got to be a better name than Dungeon Munchies. Although it did get my attention. It got your attention, right? <laughs> Yeah, it did. So it, it finished it. Um, so the only other thing, really, I, I got another game called Contract Killers. It sucks, so I'm not going to talk about it. Okay, um, well. And then I did. There is a Neo Geo. Um, the Card Flash Battle. There is Neo Card Flash Battles. Um, when I saw that pop up there, that's one of my favorite games on the Neo Geo Pocket Color. So I had to go get that. And the cool thing is, it does run like in an emulator for the Neo Geo Pocket Color, but it shows a big. Um, pocket color device on the screen and and your game is played in a little window. I thought that was a neat visual effect. Um, it isn't enhanced in any way. So it's just the OG real deal, but which it does include enough. all the manuals. Yeah. It includes all the manuals, which frankly, I don't have the manual because I, all I have is the, I have a flash cartridge. So never got the manual for that. So it's nice to have the manual built into it. So, yeah. Uh, if you guys haven't played that game, I know you have Cody, right? I mean, that's oh, a yeah. great game. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, Tim, I, 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 I sent you that Neo Geo Pocket Color, so it's, you got you got to get that game. Got to get that game, yeah. son. I, I, well, if I can order the cartridge, if it's uh, in a reasonable cost, I could probably do that. But I don't have an SD solution for the Neo Geo Pocket yet. Oh, mm. 
write that mm. one down. Mm. Yeah, future, future, <laughs> future gift ideas for mm. Tim. Mm. He's over here buying me CD thirty twos and stuff. I guess I gotta. Um, <laughs> I was gonna go ahead and mention that I had also been uh, enjoying the uh, post Christmas sales. Um, and a lot of the stuff I'm gonna end up talking about in the next episode because um, I've been playing more and more of it, but. Uh, buying a lot of good stuff on Steam. I finally picked up... Uh, actually, I've had this for a while, but I finally started p- playing a uh, twin-stick shooter called Tesla vs. Lovecraft. Yes, another Cthulhu-type game for Cody. Can't get enough of them. But it is a um, really cool... In fact, let me pull it up so you guys can see it real quick. Tesla versus, And this thing's on... Um, you know, this is on the Switch and stuff as well. It is? Um, yeah. Cool. Uh ps2 whatever but i got it you know i love, I love t- twin stick shooters yeah and this is just i mean it's very arcadey here i'll you'll see some video here there's there's nikolai tesla um and it's him and his inventions basically versus uh hp lovecraft and his mythos his creatures from the deep right here here's some gameplay you're just blowing things away um Oh, those graphics look nice yeah lots of fire firepower so you're tesla in your like mech thing blowing people away and then all the uh lovecraft bad guys are coming out of the ocean and destroying you anyways very cool game i've probably put i don't know if i looked 20 hours or something into it already (laughs) i got i got into it i've beat it on um you know it's one of those things where you can beat it on normal and then it goes to hard mode and you can beat on hard mode and the whole time you're you're getting more and more buffs and levels and things and so i'm trying to beat it on the final legendary whatever mode and uh you know that's where i'm hitting a wall now um also picked up uh another game i already had uh rogue legacy yeah i've talked about this one before i think you've played it before have you eric i have yep i have um which is a i mean people call it roguelike but it's so different than rogue but i think the only thing that they keep in mind is that you play through it and gain buffs is that pretty much what people when people nowadays call them a roguelike that and when you die you can carry some stuff over to your next playthrough yeah and, exactly and, and death happens a lot i think that's what people pretty much call roguelikes these days yeah, yeah so L- lots of death lots yeah yeah lots of you, you die forward right it's like yeah. falling forward but you die forward that's right so anyways here's rogue legacy uh, if you haven't seen it yet tim um you know pixely side scrolling you're these little knights what's kind of cool about it is that you get to pick which generation of the family or who's going to be the next generation in the family. The family keeps having children. They all turn into knights and they go out there into this castle and gain, you know, levels and money and buy things and then they die. And so the next time you play through, you're actually, you actually see like the, um, kind of like a uh, cannon fodder. You kind of see all the previous pictures on the wall of the people who, who came before you and died. <laughs> um, but they take it one step further, which is kind of fun in that each of these people have a little bit of personality in that um, they all have slight defects that you have to deal with. So one person might be uh, tiny and fast, uh, but he also might be colorblind. So you play the entire round with that person in black and white. Um, there's people who have dyslexia, so everything that's in the game is written backwards. <laughs> just like all these little things that... Um, you know that some of them make it so hard to play that i just can't pick those people and other times it's just kind of fun um anyways i've been playing a ton of that again i've probably put 20 hours into that one as well and then the last one i wanted to mention was uh mystic veil which is a a board game eric you've probably heard of that one 
I've heard of it. I've never played it though. So I got it in a Steam sale for a buck. Uh, normally <laughs> it's you know fifteen bucks or something, but I got it for a buck. Uh, very cool uh, card game. It's literally just a, a board game. A lot of these board games now that you know, uh, Eric and you, you and I know play a lot. I don't know, Tim. You don't really play board games, do you? I think I've asked you that before. Not really, no. Um, it's something I've mentioned to Gary a few times because he's got a massive collection of That's board right, games, Gary, so, yep. Um, at some stage, we will sort of like start digging into that. I think it's something I do need to get into. Well, if you ever come over here, we're all playing board games. So <laughs> anyways, it's, uh, I mean, the picture is, it's hard to tell what it is. It's a bunch of cards and stuff, but it's a fun little card game and a uh, great little time waster. So I've been spending time with that as well. Um, when it comes to the Switch, I picked up a few yeah. things. Uh, Destructoid, I think. Uh, who was it that that me? Yeah, I played that. Someone had recommended Destructoid to me because it was a twin stick shooter. Yeah, but it was it was um, a friend of the show. Oh, I'm forgetting oh, who was it was. It? Yes. Oh I don't man, remember. I can't remember right now. Oops, that's not it. That's actually Destructoid the website. There's also a website called Destructoid. Anyways, it's a yeah, it's a really simple game where it's a twin stick shooter and you're just like a a dot in the center of a white world with these red boxes that attack you. And yeah. uh that's I mean without playing that you can't really say much about yeah. it except cuz it sounds like it would be very simple but the graphics are actually really nice. They're just they're not stylish. Very, they're very stylish. Um twin stick shooter but you do Every once in a while, it pauses and you get like these upgrades. You, you level up upgrade. and then, yeah, get an, uh, you level upgrade. up and you can pick an upgrade. And I found that very compelling. Not to mention the music is by uh, somebody who does Commodore sixty four music. Yep. Yeah. Um, I can't remember his name now. Might come up in one of the articles you're bringing up. No, but... I can't even find it because Destructoid is a website about video games. So that's all I can find right now is that website. <laughs> right. So, anyways, very cool game. I'm opening um, another beer. And last but not least, I finally played a robot named Fight! Exclamation point. Yeah. And um, I won't name names, but I heard somebody else in the show tried it, and they did not care for it. Yep. Yeah, uh, so I, yeah. I heard that before I finally loaded it up and played it. I love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like playing um, a roguelike version of Super Metroid. Yeah, and I think that was the main complaint was that it's it was very difficult. Death came very quickly in the game. Oh yeah, but you uh, yeah I don't I, yeah I love it. I I thought it was great. I've played okay. I've played I think five different attempts at it, and each time, uh, you know you got you get buffs, you you power up, so you get further and further and further each time, and I love it. And I think that's the the common thread. It, you, if you don't like rogue likes then you're not going to like a lot of the different games. You shouldn't even try them because the whole thing is about them is you're going to die. And then you're supposed to be able to roll that into your next playthrough and be more powerful and roll that into your next playthrough and be more powerful. And that's the, that's the game. And once you make peace with that, you can actually have a lot of fun with these style. And it's funny because the first one I tried was on your recommendation. That was dead cells. Yeah, oh, yeah, and it never, I never connected with that one. And I think that's because I had not oh, figured man. that out yet. So I'm going to have to go back now that I've played a few other ones. I love Dead Cells. It's probably one of my favorite games of all time on the Switch, at least. I know you can play it out elsewhere, but I love that game. Eric, did you just crack open another brewski? I did. It's a, it's a boring 805 from Firestone. I mean, I, I love the delicious honey blonde ale. I decided to just to forego the forego the pomp and circumstances of 
introducing the beer and just go straight to drinking it. So this is a beer that I'm going to have to like send you guys eventually. I love this beer, although right. I have a small story behind it. So this is a Moonraker beer, which is probably, uh, if, if not the number one, number two favorite brewery of mine. Okay. Uh, and it's right here in Auburn, which is awesome. And every time I say Moonraker, uh, everybody who doesn't know about the brewery thinks James Bond, um, which I'm sure is where it's named after. I don't know. But they had a beer a while back called Pie of the Beholder, mm-hmm. which is cool because it sounds like an Eye of the Beholder, which is a Dungeons and Dragons character. Right. <laughs> um, but it's called Pie of the Beholder, and it is a, a sour, but it's not a very aggressive sour. And when I got it before, it was key lime flavored, key lime pie of the beholder. And I yeah. love key lime. And oh my gosh, I loved it so much as a beverage. I'm going to be honest, I, I hardly consider it a beer, but it's a delicious beverage. So I went back there, got a four pack, said, oh, cool, you still have pie of the beholder. I'll get that. And I got it this time, and they didn't change the name of the beer, but they changed the fruit. Really? So now it's strawberry rhubarb what <laughs> yeah and i was Story i was rhubarb of the beholder <laughs> yeah i was frustrated but listen to this and, and then i'll, I'll just bob listen to this and tell me uh again if you guys are, are beer well, i mean i'm i wouldn't say we're beer snobs we just like all beers but if you're a beer snob yeah. just hear me out all right it's a kettle sour ale brewed with strawberry rhubarb milk sugar graham cracker and vanilla bean that doesn't sound bad it's that sound bad to me. It's like everything in a pie, and I don't know what it is about this, but oh my goodness, it is so good. Uh, even yeah. the strawberry rhubarb one. I prefer key lime, but anyways, amazing. So I'm gonna have to get some of these, whatever flavor they happen to have next, and send them to you guys. Exactly. They just won't tell you what it is. Yep. Yep. Blueberry and custard. I expect the next one will be. <laughs> hey, I'll take that. That sounds good. <laughs> You're doing some gaming over the holidays with the strawberry rhubarb pie, Tim? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I I kind of mentioned it a bit earlier. Um, uh, Gary came over, we uh, broke out the Atari ST, uh, played some games. So one of those was Shuffle Puck Cafe. Uh, we played um, some of the, I've got a lot of the Sierra Online um, adventure games. Uh, I always the, wonder why they called it Sierra Online when those games were not online. They were just games. No, they, definitely. There wasn't really an online thing as, as <laughs> such so much back then. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so we got, we got um, playing on a few of those, a uh, few of those games. Um, what else did we play? Um, trying to think there was something else. Um, did you have? Did, yeah, was there a Sierra maybe, on? Maybe we were playing Oids as well. I think maybe we had a couple of game on Oids on the Atari on oh, when we when we were playing as well. Um, but yeah, no, that was that was good fun, and that was the first time in a long time we've kind of actually really got together and played some games and dug that sort in. Of thing. So that that was really nice. Good, very cool. Good was there a Sierra online game from your past that you actually dug into? Um probably i guess like most people uh king's quest i played a little bit um leisure suit larry for obvious reasons <laughs> yeah <laughs> i still have never played one of those have you not okay uh, they're, they're okay i mean they're they're they're, they're funny um but yeah. a part of it especially back in the day was that you had to, had to answer those stupid questions to actually get into the game to prove your age <laughs> yeah <laughs> um 
and uh, you know that 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 was those questions that the, the you asked they were based you know that you were sort of like 18 plus back then so now those are questions you'd only know if you're like 40 plus <laughs> oh gotcha um so yeah so yeah that, that that was that was good fun yeah i only played uh, uh indiana jones um i think it was last crusade on my mac plus it was only monochrome black and white that was a Lucasfilm, though, wasn't it? That was Lucasfilm, you're right. Yeah. And then, and then, and then, um, Space Quest. I want to say it was four, the one where you actually go back and play some of the earlier games in their more archaic forms, which back then seemed they seemed much older. And of course, now that I realize they're only like three years apart, but yeah, <laughs> yeah Space Quest yeah, I think would be the only real you can one. See the going between the even just between the different original versions you can see the evolution quite a bit there yeah um and some of the later ones they're really slow on the st as well um so you can see that they were actually probably designed on the pc or something and then ported across and yeah the, the i think it was the third leisure suit larry we were having to go on and that was just really slow going in between the rooms gotcha yeah. Well, the last thing on our list here was is funny because I ordered something and I said, "Will it get here before the show?" And the answer is yes, it did. But I'm gonna have to talk about it next month because that that's the right thing to do since the, yeah. <laughs> it came after the show would have been released. In fact, I think a few things came, so uh, we'll have to save that. I'll have to hold my tongue. Um, and I think it's time for us to delve into six good games. Is it not? Yep. Sounds like it is. <laughs> So, on this episode of Six Good Games, um, I guess I threw this one out, and I came out with games with three colors or fewer. What does that mean to you, Tim? Uh, Games that don't have so many colors. (laughs) Dead on. Dead on. Very literal. Very literal. Yeah. Yeah. And and at first, you kind of like think about it, and you think, oh, what the heck can I remember that's only got three colors? And you're sitting there going, uh, well, certainly for me anyway, I'm like, oh, Commodore 64. I can't think of many Commodore 64. Right. Spectrum, yes, you could probably do that. There's a few monochrome games, but then it's probably going to be like the uh, isometric games, which we've kind of covered and done enough. And then you kind of like think, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And then all of a sudden you kind of like come across, well, Game Boy, of course. Yeah, everything on the Game Boy. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> And then ZX81 and, uh, and Vectrex, Vectrex and <laughs> other bits and pieces like that. And you think, yeah, okay, actually, yeah, there's, 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 a, there's a fair fair bit there that we can actually yeah. play about with. Well, Vectrex um, would actually be one color or, exactly. or a lot of colors if you actually put the overlays on. Overlay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when I was picking this topic, it's because there's been kind of a more recent emergence of these games that are exactly three colors, black, white, and like one other color usually either red or like blue or green and it's such a cool style that i love so much um and i didn't know about older games that had it um and i didn't want to say just three colors because that would make it really hard it'd basically make it either the new games that are black white and red or it'd make it um the original pc games with the uh what was it cy or uh, cga cga (laughs) those three kind of bizarre like periwinkle orange and pink or whatever it is um which would be, well, that could be actually kind of fun. <laughs> um, but anyways, I wanted to see what you guys came up with. And I think we all kind of went with uh, a little of everything, but we all kind of went with the monochrome thing as well. So, uh, Eric, take us away with your number one pick here. 
Okay, so this one was, I have to admit, if it's 50-50 here, it's 50% that it's a great game that I love playing and 50% nostalgia because the story behind this one, so the, the game I picked was Omega Race, which originally is a it was an arcade game, and then it was the the one I was familiar with was the port to the Vic twenty, and <laughs> uh, looking at that ad, looking at the ad on YouTube. Uh. Um, so Omega Race on the Vic twenty was one of the first games I got on the platform, but I, I had gotten all these text Scott Adams text adventures on the on the Vic twenty, and those are great, but. One of the games I got was Omega Race. And, you know, after playing in a lot of typed in games from from magazines and stuff like that, we're, you got to admit on the VIC-20, it's pretty rudimentary. Um, I got the cartridge Omega Race. And it on the VIC-20, it just seemed like an arcade game. And even though I had never played the arcade version of Omega Race, it was fast. It it it. It, it was fun to play and it was a lot like asteroids, which was one of my favorite games. So Omega race was originally by midway um, in the arcade, but they, you know, there was a lot of different ports that came out for their toy 2600, the Vic 20, uh, the Commodore 64, the ColecoVision had a version. Um, even the Atari 7800 had a version called alpha race. It's basically a game like asteroids where there's thrust and then you can spin your ship around and you thrust in different directions and you hit the fire button to fire. And the world is kind of like an area where there's a square in the middle and it's like a track. Like there's a a track that goes around this square. Around the edges of the game are these force fields. And you have a time limit where you need to blast all the enemies away. Now the time limit, it's not really a time limit because what happens is just the the enemies start to get more aggressive and they will start coming after you. So, so you want to clear out things as quickly as possible before that happens. Um, so the big, a big challenge in the game is really just trying to stay in control of your ship with those kind of special, um, you know, um, constraints of just being able to thrust and spin your ship and move in those directions. Um, and then meanwhile, there's these enemies that travel very quickly and try to collide with your ship. Um, it's a very simple formula. It's not like a very complex game, but for the Vic 20, this was one of the first games that really just blew my mind because I was used to just really not games that looked this good, to be honest on the Vic 20. <laughs> That's not saying um, much, Eric. <laughs> no, I mean, well, you got to admit on the Vic 20, you're kind of, it's, it's not the Commodore 64. You have a very limited memory. I mean, thing only had 5k and that and, and usable was only three and a half or something like that and they probably so, used half of it on that uh that logo they put at the beginning of the game exactly three color exactly. mega race logos which makes it instantly not a three color game yep so <laughs> anyway that's that's uh that's my pick i mean I, I again i it was just i have nostalgia for it but i do load it up all the time and play it it's yep. it's uh i love asteroid style games so have you guys played omega race i'm gonna let yeah, tim go I, 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 I played it a bit. Um, I found 
instant frustration with this one because you just bounce off of everything and end up hitting into aliens and all that sort of stuff so unless you've put some serious time into this one it's it's it got that immediate frustration level for me at least anyway but i know yeah. that, that like you say you know that a lot of people have a lot of nostalgia for the game um for me personally yes it's 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 a it's a it's obviously a great title on the vic 20 and that sort of thing but it's not something i've put a huge amount of time in myself it's funny. I think I've, I've played this game on the VIC-20. I think actually this is the only VIC-20 game I have an actual cart of. Um, okay. Except for, except for modern cards. I guess the only one I have a classic cart of. Because I got myself some cheese and onion, and I've got some, myself some nibbler from the future was 8-bit. Um, <laughs> exactly. Which, which are, well, I'll just be blunt, no matter who gets mad at me, uh, which are better games than this. Um, of course. <laughs> The first time I played this game, I heard so much about it and everything you said, and I, I, I mean, this has to be a nostalgia thing. Like, I mean, I understand to you it's half because it's a great game, half nostalgia, but I think if if you, excuse me, didn't originally play this in the time period, it's hard to love this game. Hmm. Um, it's, it's just bizarre to me because it's just, it's the weirdest gameplay. It's like someone said, uh, and it's going to sound like I'm talking bad about it, I'm not, it's like someone said, like, cool, Asteroids is popular. How do we do that but different? Uh, what exactly. if we... I think that that's exactly what happened. Yeah, Yeah, and they're like, what if we made it so instead of scrolling off the side of the screen, because the VIC-20 can't do that. I'm sure they, the arcade obviously could, but uh, we just make it, you bounce off of it. Um, and then we'll put the score on here. Wait, if we put the score on here, won't that confuse people? We'll put a box around it and you can bounce off of that too. Great, that's a game. What are, we, what are you going to call it? Uh, Mega, Mega Race sounds cool they don't race oh oh well it looks cool sure. it sounds cool it's good <laughs> i just the whole thing is bizarre to me and even, even the gameplay is kind of just like it's almost like they threw you in the sandbox with a bunch of stuff and said you know figure out how you're going to play this because there's no like strategy it's just kind of like this whole i don't know it's, i don't know how to describe it but it is it's is interesting it is unique I and mean, i can see how it was loved back then and probably still loved today by those people but Definitely not something I'd recommend uh, to a newcomer in the hobby, I guess. How would you recommend playing it then, Eric? <clears throat> How would I recommend What's playing it? What's the strategy? If you, if you wanted to get into the game and, and really start play, playing it properly. Well, the funny thing is, I've uh, so the arcade game, from what I read, because I, I did kind of read up on this, I've never played the arcade game, but I guess it, it actually has a spinner. So huh. the spinner, and then there's two buttons, one for thrust, one for fire. I do think that would make the game a little more playable, like, like you know, but you got to realize this is one of the very few games I had for the VIC-20. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I only had like a handful of, I, I maybe had eight cartridges for it, and that was it. We're not judging yeah. you, Eric. That's not what yeah. this is. So yeah. I spent tons of time perfecting Omega Race and getting better and better at it, and uh, I... I think playing it with a spinner and the two buttons might make it a little more palatable to some people. Um, but the Vic 20 is my, it, it's just the version I loved from being a kid and I still load it up. I still play it all the time. So I don't know. I, 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 I would play the original Vic 20 if it was me, but so I'm going to, I, I, I'm going to say something real quick. I just pulled a video of the arcade. Yeah. And it looks like a completely different game. I mean, there's a box in the center with the score and everything in it, yeah. But it is, I mean, four times the speed or four times slower than the VIC twenty version. And it is slower, and there's more real estate. There's more like, real estate, it, 
and you're actually going around a track like in a circle chasing these guys which makes it more racy yeah this doesn't i mean the uh, vic 21 looks more exciting than this so i'll, I'll <laughs> vic 20 maybe that's a definitive version even more so than the arcade game i don't know I do know that, I mean, when I got the Commodore 64, because I was a big fan of Omega Race, I played Omega Race on the Commodore 64, and I like the VIC-20 version better than the than the Commodore 64. So, Interesting. Anyway, Very interesting. that's my first cool. pick. I like it. It was, a good, uh, it was good to talk good, about. Good pick. Interesting one to talk about, definitely. Uh, come on, guys. Don't humor me. No, no, not at all. Not at all. I played it. it. It's, I, I, it's, I'll be honest. It's a game that I've picked up and I've played a few times, and I wanted to get into it because yeah. you know a lot of people talk about it, and you know I know that you like it as well, Eric. So I, what, what I don't. I don't need your pity. I don't need your pity. What I just move on. What I honestly you. like about it though is like if you own a Vic Twenty, I think you have to own this game. Regardless, yeah. everyone who's got a VIC-20 has got the cartridge. <laughs> well, exactly. I, I honestly do think that there's truth to, to what Cody said. Like, that is the cartridge you want. It is the it is probably the best arcade port on the VIC-20, I think. But what, um, I think, what I think about it is, so like for me, the way I experience this hobby for the most part is trying to get the flavor and like the time period and the feeling of if I were at this time period and this was my new system what is the feeling of this machine? And I think the VIC-20 with an Omega Race cartridge in it tells you what the VIC-20 is all about. Like, it just that that is the essence of VIC-20. To me. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I think it's got to be the Jeff Minter games. So things like... I okay. do like those, okay. too. So, I do like those. That sort yeah. of stuff, yeah. The, yep. the sounds, the the whole visceral experience of that on the Vic is just like, yeah, that's Vic 20 for me. Okay. That's, that's, that's me personally. Yeah, no, you're right. I like the... Um, what's the, I know what I can see it in my face, the one with the grid mutant, on it. Mutant Camels? That was one Ma- of... One Matrix. Of yeah, mutant, mutant Camels, Matrix, Grid Runner. Grid Runner, that's what I'm thinking of, yeah. 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 I, yeah. The, like I just said, the grid on it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, my number one game. Yeah. Uh, not number one game, but my first pick for yeah. three color games is a modern title done in, um, well, it's for the Nintendo Switch, and I've talked about it on the show. It's Gato Roboto. Now, this game is black. Sucks. This game sucks. Have you no, played it? <laughs> no, I'm just, no, I'm just I've, I've talked about this game before, and I honestly think... Uh, is that a taste of sour grape somewhere there? <laughs> <laughs> I hate this game. It's it's this game is called Gato Race. Omega Roboto. Um, it is kind of done... It is very much done in a like a Game Boy style. Yeah. But without being black and olive green, it's black and white. Um, but... You know, it's funny. I totally remember it having um, red in it, but it doesn't. So it is just black and white. And this is just a solid, chunky, um, blast of fun Metroid style game from beginning to end that is challenging enough to be fun, but easy enough that you're going to complete it in about three to four hours. Yeah. And it's a true Metroid game without any of the frustration um i don't want to say it's easy because it's not a cakewalk but it's not i wouldn't even say it's medium difficulty it's like medium easy if you like your steak medium rare this is the medium rare of uh <laughs> of video games. anyway and it's i think it's uh 3.99 or something it goes on sale all the time for like two bucks yeah 
So, so Gato Roboto is cat robot or something, right? Correct. Is that what that means? So it, what's the backstory? Like you're a cat in a robot suit? It's There's almost no story, but yes, you are essentially okay. on <laughs> some space planet, whatever. You are a cat in like a mech robot suit thing, uh, <laughs> but it plays like Metroid and you get abilities, you know, eventually you find them like double jump and um, I forget all the other abilities. There's enough story in there to make it, it's funny and cheesy and entertaining, yeah. but quick and... um just I, I'm not, I don't know how to explain it except for just saying chunky graphics, chunky gameplay, very precise and enjoyable but forgiving. Um, big boss battles that are memorable and fun, but you can pass them. Uh, here we go. That's right. Later in the game, it starts changing different colors. So in this case, now it's a light blue and a yellow. But um, it's always monochrome. It's so always I mean, two colors at a time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess I kind of cheated with that. I forgot that it changed colors later on, but uh, you can see in this particular case, this person beat the entire game knowing what he was doing in two hours and 13 minutes. Yeah. Um, see, I still think this follows the parameters of the rules because the way I saw them was there's no more than three colors on the screen at one time. Yeah. So I'm hoping that gets by. But either yeah. way, yeah. I, I've talked about this game before. Yeah. It's a simple, stupid, small, cheap game. But if you want a fun uh, Metroidvania, or even if you're not terribly into Metroidvanias and you want to think about getting into the genre, this is, I would say, this is probably my go to entry point because you will be able to finish this game. It'll happen quickly. And um, it, it almost has a little it's, it's so ZX Spectrum feel to it, right? Like, I mean, the graphic, the art style. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Don't, don't you yeah. think? Yeah. I mean, that's the way I see it is like it has a little bit of a ZX Spectrum art style to it. I could see that. I can see that. Yeah. 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 I, I, I love this game. It's cheap. It's fun. I'll stop talking about it. But um, in fact, I'm, now I kind of want to play through it again. Yeah, I, I, I think I might have almost picked it up several times, like when it was on sale, but I never pulled the trigger on it. So yeah, I should. You would love it this. It looks good. I think I, I, think I would dig it. <clears throat> and there's just something about being able to play a game all the way through and knowing you're going to play it all through um, to actually complete it. That just makes you like that much more satisfied about playing through a game without having to stop halfway through and be like, yeah, I'm going to move on to something else now. Like yeah. you'll finish it and you'll complete it and you love every minute of it and wish you had more. I hope they come out with the second one. Nice. The end. The end. All right, Tim, what's your first one? So I'm going to hate my, it, whatever my, it is. My, my first pick is uh, like your first pick is fueled with nostalgia. Okay. Um, Mazogs for the ZX 81. Love it. Oh, wow. Um, this is, yeah, we're, we're going back proper old school now. Yeah. Vic <laughs> 20 hard. and the 81. We're going with, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard, 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 hardcore. This is, um, yeah. So this has got a cool boot I, screen. That's a pretty neat boot I'm screen. Say, that's actually pretty, uh, pretty yeah, detailed for a Z8. That's, Z8. Not, that's not the, uh, the original. That's not it. That's Mazog's 81. That's a, that's a reimagined version. Oh. Um, but it, 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 it will do the same sort of thing. Um, so this was originally released on the ZX81 um, by Bugbyte Software. Um, the version I actually played was on the uh, ZX Spectrum, which was uh, a, essentially just a recoded version to work on the Spectrum, pretty much exactly the same code, all in basic. Gotcha. Um, uh, in 2016 by Paul Farrow. Uh, so this is a, uh, a maze-style game. 
Um, you start off, um, you've got different levels in the game, so you can um, uh, you can start off with just sort of like a, a basic introduction into the game. Um, it, essentially, what you've got is you've got so many moves that you can make um, as you go around the maze. Um, one thing about this game that you've got to remember is the ZX81 is very, very limited. So you've got no sprites, no sound, nothing like that. Um, but the way they've done this is they've done it with, um, similar to the, we did with the, uh, last, um, what was it? Battle of the systems where we did the ASCII and Petski. 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 Petski games. Um, this is, uh, using the, the, the basic ZX81 character set. Um, but it looks like it's nice, big and blocky, actually, the way they've done it on the screen. Yeah. So it's and not, you can tell what everything is. Characters. Yeah. 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 Um, so essentially, you've got to start at one point and you've got to work your way through the maze. As you work your way through the maze, um, you pick up a sword and you've got to battle the Mazogs as you go through. Um, and as you go through, uh, you eventually get to the other end of the maze, pick up the treasure, and then you've got to find your way back. Um, now, like I said, you've only got certain amount of moves. Um, so each time that you sort of like go the wrong way, um, you then got a backtrack and then that's obviously detrimenting, uh, to your, uh, to trying to actually complete the, the maze to get out because you may not have eventually have enough moves. Um, once you're in the maze, um, like I say, you can pick up the sword, battle the Mazogs. There's also, um, a, uh, a hint point so as you go through the maze um there's a particular point on the maze where you can um <clears throat> walk into and then it it gives you um a, a, a kind of like a little clue and as you go round, it says this way on each, <laughs> on each tile um yeah, so it does. Going, going round, and that obviously that doesn't last forever so eventually that disappears so that helps you to get um through the maze but that takes off uh, 10 moves i think it is if you use the hint points um so as you as you go through the game you obviously um complete the very first level um which is uh, the mazogs don't actually really attack you they just they just stand in your way so you get the sword um and then you can just get through them uh and then you've got two other levels of play um and as you as you get into the more difficult levels obviously the mazogs then are coming towards you attack you um and you get uh it's more difficult to actually get out of the maze so the maze is bigger you get less moves um all those sort of things um but for me personally this is just a pure nostalgia trip this one because this is one of the first games i ever played on the zx81 um and remember playing this with one of my friends simon um who had that ZX? i didn't even have a computer at the time he had the zx81 first um before i had my spectrum and i just remember playing this game and we just sat there playing this for hours and hours on end <laughs> <laughs> it's great fun um so yeah that, that's that's my first pick mazox on the zx81 I, and Cody, you got a ZX81, didn't you? I do. I have it above me up here. Yeah. 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 So you should whoop this one up. I, I know. I still need... I plugged it in all of once just to make sure it worked because it only has RF out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm sure there's a mod and I'm probably going to find a way to do it so I can use it more, but... I also have the next, which can play ZX81 too. But. Yeah, exactly. And that, to, to be honest with you, that's, I mean, like I say, I, I even played it on the Spectrum. I didn't, I, I've got a ZX81. I bought it like 
four four years four or five years ago and it's just stayed in its box i've never even got out of the box i don't even know if it works <laughs> well i can tell um, you that when you pull it out of the styrofoam half of the styrofoam will come out with it it'll just tear yeah. and stick to it you know it's, <laughs> it's got that you know that chemical attraction but um what i do love about this and it's, i don't think i heard you guys mention it but because of the way the graphics are drawn it's actually if you they're not sprites, obviously, but they come across as looking at like huge sprites. It's big and yeah. chunky, which is yeah. very cool. Yeah. Um, I also have laughed in my head every time I saw him fight that frog thing, because Mazog, you just see yeah. like this like spin. Are those the Mazogs, the frogs? Yeah. 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 You just see like arms and legs like flopping it's everywhere as they quote unquote like, sp- <laughs> like a spiral of destruction. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like they're you know procreating i'll be honest with you just, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just uh sheets flying anyways we'll stop there um very cool pick very cool pick i yeah. and the fact that it says this way on each tile <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, i love it cool okay so and, eric what's your second pick uh my second pick is a game on the switch with three colors retro, actually three in three retro styles what'd you say it actually has three whole colors it does have three whole colors and they do change just like you said so um, sometimes they're black white and red and sometimes they're black white and green but they um but they, they never showed that more than that on the screen at one time yep. so so this game and i think do you you own this one cody i right? do yeah this is one one of the ones that made me think of this um color oh, okay. scheme thing yeah and you've never played this, Tim, right? No, no, not played this. Yeah, one. so this game is Downwell. Um, it is a um, game by Devolver Digital, which I always like Devolver games. Uh, I have a couple on Steam, and uh, they, they usually are pretty good. Uh, but it came out on diff- a lot of different platforms, iOS, Windows, Android, PlayStation 4, Vita, and Switch. One thing I didn't know about the game is the original creator made this on mobile phone, and it was a mobile phone game. Mm. Um, which you would think, well, yeah, okay, it's a mobile phone game, but this game is a blast. And one of the cool things I like about it on the Switch is that it can work in Tate mode as well. And that's the way yep. I play it. So it's nice and big on my screen, and I rotate the screen, play it. But the the, the goal of this game is that you're this guy. And, uh, in fact, I think I have his name. His name is Weltaro. And... He there's a well and he's going to go explore that well. So he jumps in the well, but he has these things called gun boots. (laughs) And so the gun boots fire projectiles down downwards. So it's almost like a shmup that where you're fight, you're, you're, you're shooting downwards, but at the same time, the momentum of firing pushes your guy upwards. So you can actually slow your descent by firing your gun boots but the game also is a platform because there are places where you can land and get your bearings or collect items or whatever. And then you jump off the platform and you continue going down. So it's this game that is very interesting. It is a shmup platform roguelike hybrid game. So because there are also the ways to get power-ups in this game. Um, you, you, you collect these gems and that is a form of money in the game, which you can buy upgrades. So you can change different weapons on your feet. You can, there's all these different functions. Like you can, um, if you, 
if you like collect a gem, it can shoot bullets in different directions, little like power ups and things that happen as you progress in the game. And, uh, there are these little caves in the game where you go break through these force fields and you go into these caves and the caves will have multiple gems or power-ups or whatever inside. Or a storefront. And you basically, what'd you say? Or a storefront. Or a storefront, exactly. And the storefront, you can take those gems you've been collecting throughout the whole game and buy more power-ups and more um, ways to play the game. And you just keep progressing. You try to get further and further and further. And there's these things called, I think, gem streaks, I think, or, or whatever. And the more gems you collect, you can get, um, you, you, basically, you're like breaking your own record of how many gems you can get in one plat- in one uh, level. Um, it's kind of hard to explain. I mean, it, it's easier to just show, show the game. It's hectic and it's fast, but um, it really is a blast to play. I, I, I really enjoy it when I do spend time with this game, which is quite often, so... And I would say this game also kind of has that spectrum look to it. Yeah, definitely. This one's the the demo we're looking at on the screen, though, is in Japanese, so you can't see all what the power-ups are and stuff. <laughs> yeah, all like triple shot. and. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's funny, when you see it, you made it sound, obviously, well, I mean, you kind of have to make it sound complex, but it's it's just super simple. When you see it, you're just like, oh, yeah, no, I get yeah. it. It's basically yeah, a one-button yeah. game. Yeah, you're left falling and right. down, and you've got to try and um, blast things as you're falling down and slow your descent a little bit um, yep. and jump from platform to platform collecting things. What's the number that he gets above his head? Is that the the combo that you're on at the moment? So you've got, like, um, starts off with five, six, seven. Correct, yeah. It's above not, his head. I think it's if you keep yourself um, bouncing while killing things, that number goes up. Yeah, and it's a score multiplier of some sort, if I remember correctly. And some enemies in this game, you can bounce on their head and kill them. And some, though, have spikes and stuff, and so it will take away your hit points. And what's interesting about this game is when you start out, you have four hit points. Now that can go up with power ups that you can buy in the store and power ups you collect and stuff. But you—that's it. You get four out of four. That, and and when you're done, you die. But you don't necessarily go into the next game with nothing. I mean, you, you can, I think there's something you can carry over into, to, to the next game, uh, but I, it, I don't it, recall that specifically, me. but yeah. So anyway, that's it. I mean, Downwell, it's a great game. It's on, I'm on almost every platform. So, and it goes on sale regularly for like a dollar 99. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like dirt cheap. I think full price so. is two ninety nine or three ninety nine. Absolutely worth picking up for that price. Although I could not, and you know, I could not imagine playing this without a controller. I don't know how it works with a mobile. Um, But when I first got the, uh, when we did that month where we all got Tate crazy and we all flipped our screens, this was the first game I played. Yeah. It's great in Tate mode. Oh, I remember now. I, I think I remember now. You can carry gems over. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't know if it's all of them, but you can carry gems over into the next game so that you can buy the power-ups that you need to try to get better and better in this game. So, Good one. That's it. Down well. I, am, I was thinking about picking that one, but I didn't because I knew you might, and you did. And I did. Here's one, Eric, that I think you've played that I had not until recently, although I own it. I just never put it in my Wii. That's right, a Wii game, Eric, for only three colors. Who would have thought? Yeah. Um, do you recall this game? 
No, I don't. Okay, maybe I don't think I I don't think I've ever played this game. All right, well let me let me tell you about this game. This this game is called okay. Mad World. Yeah, on, on the on the Nintendo Wii. Okay, and whatever you thought about Nintendo and or the Wii, this game is not. Um, it is okay. It is bizarre that this exists, and it is awesome that it exists. So, Mad World is a uh, what do you call? It? I guess a third person over the shoulder kind of view. Yeah, hyper violent beat 'em up like brawler. Now, I cheated a little bit in hindsight, realizing that there's uh, it's black and white and red primarily, but there are little flashes of yellow with like the squ- the the power up bar and things. Yeah, and letters. I, I, I guess I don't really count black backgrounds as a color, so I think you're still good. Uh, anyways, it's four at most, but primarily black, white with a ton of red because there's blood everywhere. (laughs) Um, This game is visually stunning. Yeah. I've never played this. It looks like art. I feel like it's like you're playing a Japanese, um, like a classic Japanese painting, but instead of it being, you know, of cherry blossom trees and mountains, it's uh, a dude with, a chainsaw cutting people in half and then throwing their bodies into fans, which splats them into blood and it squirts all over the screen while profanities ensue. Um, the, this is a family friendly show. I would never play any audio from this game. Uh, I am not necessarily a, um, I choose not to cuss very much. I try not to cuss at all. Yeah. Uh, just by choice. I, but cussing does not offend me. I am not, uh, you know, a prude about it, whatever. This game, some of the things that they say in the game are just straight up <laughs> vulgar and offensive to me. Um, yeah. To the point where actually, honestly, it got to the point where I was I was actually kind of turned off by the game at, at certain points. But the game is gorgeous. It is exciting. Um, the sicko in me loves the fact that anytime you do anything, just blood squirts out everywhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, you kind of just have to see it, but basically, it's it's not the most um, deep game in the world. But you've got you're literally holding on to your nunchucks, your your or whatever you call your little wee wee boat nunchuck things, and you're doing the you're shooting things, you're slicing people up with swords, you're doing the actual actions while you're playing, and then I use the D pad to move forward and back and left and right. And then the uh, nunchuck uh, to kind of turn, you know, it's kind of like a first person shooter, but it's third person. Um, I don't know. I mean, you guys are looking at it. It's more of a visceral thing anyways, like visual and the audio just kind of hits you. Yeah, um, it, it looks almost like manga, like you're reading a manga, but it's a lot like a live action manga book that you're reading because it's all black and white, but it is very Japanese looking. So, yep. It, yeah, it. I don't know. It looks like a cool game to me. I, I, I'd probably dig, dig it. And they try to mix it up because you really are just running up to everybody and blowing them away and cutting them up and stuff over and over and over again. Like right here, you have a motorcycle chase scene and then they have a few like random, like mini games that are built into the gameplay. Like they have like a section where there's, I think nine barrels laying around that are open and your goal is to cut people up and throw chunks of their body into each of the nine barrels to move forward. <laughs> like, um, that's a goal everybody should have, right? Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the game. I, it's again, you wouldn't expect Nintendo, and you wouldn't expect the Wii, but here it is. No, 
There it is. And did this come out in America? It didn't. Yeah, yeah. I, own the, did, I, own, huh? I have the actual physical copy on the on the shelf over here. Yeah, that is, that's <laughs> crazy, isn't it? It's just like completely the opposite of a game that you'd expect to see on the Nintendo Wii. It's just <laughs> a gore fest, for the want of a better word. But and again, it's just so impressive. It's just a beautiful game it's just right? stunning isn't it it's absolutely amazing i've never seen this before that no it's absolutely either. brilliant you have to check it out and and i get and when you're when you don't have the volume turned up so your family can hear you can turn the audio up but the audio is the the amount the what the things they say are so repulsive and vulgar that i'm just like my gosh like if i, I really wished if they would turn that down a little bit yeah, uh, you know, it's one thing to to cuss; it's another thing to say things that you're just like. I I, I don't even want to tell you what my reaction would be to some of these things. Like, there's laws against doing the things they're saying. You know, like <laughs> I guess like there's, there's a lot of laws being broken. Yeah, here, to true. Be I guess you can't really cut a bunch of people in half and throw them into buckets either. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, anyways, not in this country anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, well, there's my game, Mad World on the Nintendo Wii. Nice pick. I've yeah, got, that's a good one. I've never that seen out. that before. I've got to try that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so my final game and the final game of our six good games uh, is quite simply Bomb Jack on the Game Boy. Um, nice. Nothing fantastic, obviously, in terms of you know originality or anything like that with this one, but um, I just... I It was a complete surprise to me. Um, I got uh, in a bunch of load of stuff that i picked up i don't know probably about four or five years ago now um uh, there was a game boy um one of the little blue game boy colors and uh that was in the in the in the whole lot and it had a a multi-game cartridge and uh i I haven't really paid it much attention and uh, a little while back i sort of like just picked it up and uh, went through and I saw oh bomb jack oh right okay well let's see what this is this can't be really good on the on the game boy um about 20 minutes later <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I, I I had to stop myself from playing um it's just a brilliant version of bomb jack um you just wouldn't expect it really on the game boy um, the other good thing with the game boy obviously is it's got brilliant music in it as well um so it's got some great chip tunes in there. Um, and this for me is probably uh, going to be one of my go-to versions of Bomb Jack now. Um, huh. I think probably along with the, maybe with the ZX Spectrum version. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I guess most people know about Bomb Jack. If you don't, um, you've got the the little character Jack. Um, it's kind of like a platform collect em up. Um, you, his main uh control dynamic is that he jumps really high uh you can control the jump so when you when you press up um and jump you get a higher jump if you just press the button normally you get a a medium jump uh you can control um jack in the air uh by um pressing the fire button and then you can make his uh cape or his wings flap um so he can move from left to right in midair so you can control the directions that you're going um you've got sort of like baddies that you need to avoid on each level uh the idea is is that you go around collecting bombs on the screen um and you can do those literally just by collecting the bombs jumping up in the air or you can also do them in order um so when you collect your first bomb um you get like a little uh 
uh, there's like a little timer on each one. The fuse is lit, yeah. The fuse is lit. um, And then if you collect them, then in the lit fuse order, you get a bonus. Um, As you go through each level, there's uh, bonuses that come in. So there's like little, uh, almost like little pills that uh, sort of like float around on the screen and you jump into those and collect those. There's bonus points. And then you can also collect like a little power pill, which then turns the enemies. um, So you can then uh, sort of like... um, kill the enemies as it were and get rid of them um they do respawn as well um but um you can you 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 get that brief moment where they've got no enemies on the screen where you can then get to those um hard to reach areas on the screen um it's a score score big scoring game so obviously you're looking at uh getting trying to get a high score on there and just get through all the different levels um but yeah bomb jack is a is a classic game anyway and i would thoroughly recommend giving the game boy version a try because uh, it's just so so nice and so well done and it was just a complete surprise to me to see it's such a good version on the game boy have you guys played this on the game boy i have not played it on the game boy yeah i'm, I'm not Cody probably haven't. i haven't played the game boy but um bomb jack up until a few years ago was the class one of the you know quote-unquote classic arcade games that i'd never actually played same here and i same think here. it it i started playing it and instantly fell in love with it. Um, I think it's a well, it's a game that now holds up better than it did probably even back in the day for whatever reason. It seems to be that way to me. Um, the, it's deceptively simple gameplay, but it's actually much deeper than that. And it's, I would say it's kind of like Omega race in the fact that it's, <laughs> I'm, not making, I'm not making a joke. It sucks. <laughs> no, it's, it's a game where it's almost like someone just kind of threw it together and realized, you know what? Because uh, there's one thing that they're not doing in this game that I always do. If you tap when you're floating down, if you tap the button, it kind of slows your fall to yeah, almost yeah. a crawl. And you can almost just tap spam and almost go like almost horizontal, but you're still falling slightly. The other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in this game, he's not doing it right now because he's really good. But um, and the fact that you can jump that high, it's almost like the mechanics were broken. And then they just said, you know what, let's just stick with that and design the levels in a way that makes that work. And it's like brilliantly designed on accident is how it feels to me. I don't know how to describe it, but I love Bomb Jack in all forms. Um, yeah. And it's it's like a, it's a spatial game, so I think it could be completed well on pretty much any system, and it's clearly done correctly here. Yeah. Um, I remember playing this on the Commodore 64 and, and I way back in the day. Yeah, And like, I didn't really play it. Like I was like, oh, okay, whatever. I don't know what this is. I'm not going to play it. And then I didn't revisit it until just the last few years. I played the Amiga version. There's like that beer edition one. Uh-huh. Like someone made like bomb Jack beer edition yeah, and it's my, brilliant. It's beautiful. Music, yeah. Yeah. music is fantastic. And then from there I played the ZX spectrum version. I went back to the Commodore 64 version. I haven't played this version though. It looks really good. Uh, but but I, I'm a big Bomb Jack fan now, whereas when I was younger, I wasn't. Like, I was, I thought it looked kind of stupid. Yeah. And the thing with the Commodore 64 version is it wasn't a particularly good version of Bomb Jack. Um, no. That was the problem, because there wasn't a lot of room on the screen. So I was going to say, it's all about real estate. Like, there just wasn't enough room for the guy to... Yeah. To yeah, maneuver it's, it's, in there, they yeah. had the big, big chunky sprites as you get when you use the big multicolor mode on the sixty-four. Whereas on the Spectrum, obviously, you've got it on the the high res, yep. um, mono mono 
kind of screen so we could have probably chosen that one as well but um yeah the game boy version was a complete surprise to me and it was just a, a hidden gem that i found so i thought i needed to point that out because it's maybe some uh, version that not everyone's played of bomb jack on the game boy well, and the fun. cool thing that th- this one does that the other versions do too is every background's a different place in the world right mm-hmm. yeah that's so true like the arcade the, version isn't it more than anything yeah exactly so yeah. like there's like france and and belgium and yeah. just a bunch of different places in the that that show up in the, egypt i think is one of the first ones right like at the pyramids yeah yeah so it's yeah. cool it's funny because doesn't the commodore 64 does it has a high res mode too doesn't it available um, to it, it does but no one it, used it, it. It's not, yeah, it's not amazingly colorful and all that sort of thing. That's where you yeah. get the, the the main look and the feel of the 64 is from the multicolor mode. So the the, the double double pixel width, isn't it? But it's funny because in, in hindsight, if they would have gone to like a three color or even just monochrome, they would have had a great version of this too. But they yeah. chose to go with that, you know, their yeah. beautiful muddy multicolor mode with the chunky but, uh, i think that's, that's the difference over the 64 isn't it that a lot of lot of yeah. people wanted the, the the you saw the the more colorful graphics and that back then kind of like smacked more of a more modern system rather than um you know getting away from the the yep. earlier systems which only just had you know black and white essentially so i think that's where a lot of people went with the commodore 64 is because ironically at the time it was classed as a more colorful computer <laughs> yeah yeah well that's six good games and i that like that that's a pretty cool little mix yeah yeah i enjoyed that well done we're patting ourselves on the back <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> this one the, the, so far this recording's gone surprisingly knock on wood very smoothly and everything's working <laughs> great oh, something just happened there's a packet drop Darn it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's an episode, guys. It was um, almost as fun recording it this time as it was the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and we feel bad because Tim wrote a very funny, very good uh, game show that is now in the bin because we couldn't recover it from the audio files. So I, I'm sorry, Tim. I mean, I know you put a lot of work into that. So I feel bad for Tim, but the real losers are all the listeners. You no longer got to hear that, Jim. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. <laughs> the answer was 6502. You know what we should do? This is the year of the Patreon, isn't it? It is. Maybe we should do a Patreon quiz, and we could do that quiz with some of the patrons. There we go. That might be I've fun. St- that would I've, be still cool. got all the, I've still got all the questions and answers. So maybe there we, we go. should do that. There that would go. be... That might actually be a lot of fun, yeah. So if you're I, a patron we'll, and you're I'll listening and you want to take part in the game show... Hit us up, get give us an email, contact us on on Discord, and uh, we'll we'll see if we can arrange that. Excellent. I do want to go ahead and announce one last time here, guys, that uh, this show has been brought to you by RetroRewind.ca. That is RetroRewind.ca, where you can get all kinds of awesome Commodore sixty four one twenty eight plus four sixteen. What are the other Commodores? Amiga. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cap kits. We always talk about the cap kits. Uh, we and talk now about, Cocos, too. Yeah, I was going to say, don't forget the Coco stuff. Can't forget the to- the Tandy color computer stuff. Uh, Frank, over there, you got to go check the website out. Um, you get a discount code. PG10 gets you 10% off your order over at retrorewind.ca forward slash pixelguide. And if you want to give us some credit, thank you. And um, 
just check out the stuff he's got over there. He keeps adding stuff. The list of, of products gets larger and larger. Um, I think we're at the point now where we've got uh, we've got to hire an entire like eighteen wheeler to get all the things we're sending we're sending Frank to get fixed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we really want to appreciate uh, our, our show sponsor there. Everything he's done the last six months with us. Um, and uh, I don't think we have it in person now, but we need to give away a $50 gift card that Frank has given us to give away. Is that not correct? I think it's a $25 gift card. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. $25 gift card? Yeah. Well, with the, with PG code, you know, with pixel guiding code PG10, <laughs> that's, like, exactly. that's like having almost 30 bucks. So... Um, <laughs> We will go ahead, and I think we kind of agreed to this off the show, but I'm just going to throw it live on air here. Um, we want to see if you guys can go ahead and um, consider one last time uh, hopping on to our Patreon and uh, donating a few bucks to the show if you enjoy it. Um, next episode, uh, we'll probably do it at the end of month, end of the month next episode. How about that? Um, we will randomly select one of our Patreon listeners. We'll probably do it live on the show, and you will get that gift card. Yeah. So if make you make it easy, if you make, not make him pa- not work for it, yeah, if you will make him work for it this time. <laughs> if you're not a Patreon, uh, hop on there for your chance to win. And um, uh, you know, if you enjoy the show, we'd love to see you there. So we appreciate it, um, and we appreciate Frank uh, for for doing that. And that all came the the gift card kind of came out of his his holiday giving thing he did and he uh, ended up raising, I think $700 plus for his local charity there in Toronto, Canada. Very cool. Yeah. Very That's awesome. Cool. Yep. A lot of good giving people in this community. I've noticed. Yeah. Um, next episode, since we do kind of have a leg up on it now, we are, I shouldn't say next episode, next month, we're going to be doing a battle of the systems mm-hmm. and it, uh, Tim, you're, you're joining us for this one, right? For the battle, yep, I am indeed. What I'm is ready it? To go for the for a change. I've got both <laughs> both systems uh, re- ready and ready to roll, and I've actually been playing some of the games as well. So uh, it's a battle of the I don't know generation six handhelds, something like that. It is uh, the game. I don't know how even how people want to say it. Lumines or Lumines or Luminins uh, on the Luminins. on the uh, I- Sony PSP. I think I've, I've heard people on, on shows call it Luminous. Luminous, yeah, okay. But I do have an embarrassing story where I called it Lumines forever. Lumines. Like I thought that was the name of it, and and uh, then someone said Luminous, and I felt like an idiot. This Luminous <laughs> probably is better. Um, which is obviously a falling block puzzle game that is not Tetris. Right. And uh, on the Nintendo DS, um, we are going to the game that a lot of people have not heard of called Medios mm-hmm. or Medes. Or Metaus. <laughs> Both games like have all these pronunciation issues. Two games that no one has a clue how to pronounce on a, exactly. on, a, on, a, on an audio podcast. And what you guys might not realize is they are made by the same developer, which is part of the fun of this battle. Yeah. Uh, and it is also a, um, I mean, I guess I'd class it under the Falling Bach puzzle game uh, genre, even though technically it's not Falling Bach. Oh, they do. They, yeah, they fall and then they rise. Anyways, it's a puzzle game. Uh, yeah, they action fall puzzle on game. all of them, yeah. We can just yeah. call them action puzzle, puzzle game. Timers. Eric loves this. <laughs> <laughs> and cool, funky music. So yeah. uh, excited about that one. And then six good games. Uh, Eric and I will be throwing down six good FPS games. That's right. First-person shooters, or should we be retro and call them Doom clones? Exactly. <laughs> so all that coming up next month in February. 
uh well done guys thanks for recording this uh a second time this month getting it done <laughs> yeah we, we've gotten good at it we should do this to all episodes like re-record it just to perfect it yeah i'm kind of digging the the whiskey on the episode i might be doing that some more yeah there you go i've got my bottle here so cool oh, oh man <laughs> he was gonna go straight in there <laughs> cool all right let's wrap it up appreciate it guys and uh everybody at home remember it's It's dangerous dangerous to to go go alone. alone thank you again for listening you can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com please follow us on twitter at pixel underscore guiden and you can also follow eric at the project that's d-u-h project you can also follow Cody on Twitter at Oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at Sanction. That's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash pixel Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com.